0: Let's get sweaty. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Shenmue Dojo Show with myself, James Brown, and Mr. New PC Processor... Matthew Oliver, how's it going, man? <laughs> yeah, not too
1: bad. How are you?
0: I'm good, thanks, man. How's, how is the new processor treating you? And can uh, Shenmue you... 3 run at 300 FPS now or something?
1: <laughs> Do you know, so I, <laughs> I have actually noticed a difference. It's a lot more solid with the um with the camera classic camera mod, actually. It stays a bit more consistent. The only oh, okay. criticism I have is it runs a bit hotter than than my last one, so I've had to tweak the fans and mess around with things. But worth every penny can't fault it
0: brilliant and is that something you can actually make cooler then with extra fans or cooling
1: yeah so i've got an all-in-one water cooler mm-hmm. so i I've just boosted that up a little bit changed the fan curves i've got three intake fans on it and two exhausts as well so it'll keep it <laughs> keep it nice it and cool like <laughs> it does doesn't it <laughs> three like exhausts. My car. yeah two,
0: okay, no. two. Oh, two. okay only two <laughs> yeah that's crazy i'm still um I'm still running like an 11 year old PC, but I have like upgraded it a little bit over the years, so I can play Shemy three on it. It's not it's not a terrible computer. It's just I'm just jealous of uh, what you're you, you've got it's there. A
1: bloody dangerous game upgrading PCs because I've i found this when I got the game. I've had it two years now, and I thought ah oh, that'd do me nicely. Then all these new graphics cards and processors come out, and you buy one ray races. tracing. Yeah, and it's like. <laughs> Oh, shit. And by the time you realise, you spent nearly you know, stupid money on it, upgrading mm. it. And especially but... at the
0: moment, with all the, the graphics card shortages and stuff.
1: Oh, man, don't even go there. Don't even go. Oh.
0: <laughs> They're as expensive as dogs these days, aren't they?
1: They bloody are. And if you can get older one, well, you've done better than I have, I can tell you.
0: <laughs> Good stuff then, man. Okay, well, on today's show, we thought it would be fun to go back and look through each of the shemu games and see if we can curate a list of all the unanswered questions we have story-wise as players so far so when we actually get into Shenmue 4 and the rest of the series we can hopefully start to tick off some of those fairly big questions we've had eating away at our brains for the last 20 or so years now and hopefully I'm just hoping that you know they don't get retconned out of existence and Yusuzuki in the team still has intentions to to answer some of these burning questions I mean, shamu is pretty spectacular in that on the surface, it's, you know, it seems like a fairly simple premise. It's, it's just a tale of revenge, right? Well, wrong. It's, you know, it's the whole journey. To get from that simple point of A to B, as it were, has opened up so many holes and questions along the way. It's full of lore, backstories, fascinating characters and concepts we, we don't fully yet understand. So... When you really scratch away at all of those layers, you know the game and the story is probably one of the deepest I've personally ever encountered. And I'm sure in our discussion today, we'll be questioning things, wondering about certain things that you know could go in a number of different directions. So when you really think about what could be in store for us in the future, I mean, it's pretty mind blowing, wouldn't you agree, man?
1: Yeah, I would. Well, this is 20 years of of law, essentially, isn't it? We we look at it. We've we've come all through these fan theories. We've come through everything else, and there's so many little tidbits that have been un- unanswered. You've got the bigger story around a Wow and um, Zhao and all of those sorts of things together, and that's yeah. You say it's scratching the surface. We we don't know anything about Ewing and zimming yet, and where that's going. That there, there's so much here, and in terms of depth of where the story could go, and I hope it goes. There's so much they can play with here. it's almost like a treasure chest I think
0: it's certainly not like a forklift simulator <laughs> like no you know, some people I, I just don't think they've played the games man really um or at least got uh you know as involved as we have with you know the series and pieces of lore and you know all those other factors that you possibly might miss on a fast playthrough you know I know a lot of people have got a lot of games to play these these days so if, say, Shamu's on PlayStation Now or whatever or Games with Gold or something, I can imagine someone just downloading it on a whim and possibly just burning through it because, you know, they've got another game to play after. So on terms of that, I do think Shamu, like you've said in the past, it has to grab you really, doesn't it, for all those story elements and those extra things and those side things that are always going on throughout the both well, all three games now. Um, you've got to really grasp that stuff to... To really start thinking about the deeper meaning behind a lot of a lot of its story, and
1: yeah, I I agree. It's one of those games. Well, there's no game like it, really. That if I think if you just you give it the time, you give it the space, and then once you get involved in the world and the character building, um, there's nothing like it. There's no game like it. There's no game that that has has built those characters, built that following ever before this, and I don't think ever will quite honestly, but um, I mean, I'm coming from a biased position as well, of course.
0: Yeah, well, me too. But, you know, I totally agree. It transcends gaming, (laughs) literally. But uh, yeah, so I'm really excited to get into all of that. Before we get cracking, as usual, we're going to go through the latest Shemu news. Uh, It's mostly community based this time around with uh, a few standout contributions from the dojo itself and some of its fantastic staff and members. So first up, April it's been a bit of a quite a big month for us so far. We kicked it off on April the first, as we always try and do, with a little bit of an April Fool's Day joke from uh, Jibby and Sliver of Sand, who they basically <laughs> recreated the the Sonic Mania trailer, but obviously with chemu elements, and it's called chemu Mania.
1: Bloody brilliant! Bloody bloody brilliant! <laughs> it, I mean, it took off. There was a few um, few uh, media sites picked it up. Sega Europe even. Um, retweeted it, which was quite funny. That was
0: interesting, actually. I know they—they they were. I think they wanted to shut it down as soon as it was, uh, just in case anyone really <laughs> yeah. thought it was a collaboration between Sega and whatnot. Uh, I just got the the news post that we did on the website here, because you can watch the, the trailer. It's still available on on YouTube to watch. But we did a, a news post. I, I read it a little bit electric, made me chuckle still. So retro inspired Shamu game announced by Sega. Sega are bringing Ryo Hazuki back for, the, for his most intense adventure yet in glorious 16-bit graphics. Shenmue Mania is the latest installment of the Shenmue franchise from Sega and YS.Net. Join Ryo Hazuki, Shenhua Ling, and Huiying Ren on a new 2D adventure through a mix of both classic and new areas of the Shenmue world. Shenmue Mania will launch soon on PS5, Xbox Series X, NS, <laughs> and PC. Stay tuned for more details to be announced soon. Features and updates. Single-player 2D adventure. Offline versus 1v1 battle. Sega and YSnet both working on the project. Rio and Ren both use direct attacks. Shenhua uses magic. Uh, <laughs> Sega <laughs> capsule toys make a return. More news and gameplay coming very soon. This was hinted at a while ago, but the community missed it. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> there will be two guest characters. Hint, one guest character also uses the elbow assault move. And a demo as planned. But yeah.
1: It was very, very well done. they they,
0: they really hit us out the part this year with the April Fool's Day joke. Some of the the sprite work that Sliver did and the video editing that Jibby did, you know, it, it looked like a proper game to be honest, with the battle Village, but that's my favourite bit.
1: It was yeah, hands down, it was it was excellent. I know Jibby especially likes doing these April Fools things and it's a bit of a running joke in the staff every year he has to outdo himself so i have no idea how he's going to outdo himself for this coming 2022 good luck mate i know
0: and i think this year it just a lot of people probably did buy into it just because like i said before it's just this year and last year it's just been so crazy you can't you can't keep up with the date so i think april the first just kind of like just hit a lot of people and like you say that even a couple of news sites messed up and I think there was even something about Doom, wasn't there? I remember seeing Doom on the twi- on mm, Twitter I still did the thing that, that like got a, f- a couple of people as well <laughs> fooled.
1: Brilliant. Just brilliant.
0: Yeah. Uh, so great work from Jibby and Sliver of Sam there. So next up, you've probably seen it. If you're listening to this show, I'm pretty sure you're following a lot of the stuff that we're putting out recently. So if you haven't, if you're not aware, basically Eric Calso and Paul Lucas have gave some of their time and dedication that they've they've always had for the Shemu series and voiced their characters from Shemu 3, because obviously for, for reasons unbeknownst, Eric and Paul were omitted from the, the voice team for Shemu 3. So basically Eric Kelso has kindly reprised his role as Ren and Paul Lucas has kindly reprised his role as Landy. So this mod I'm going to give some massive shout outs now. So Paddy, Patrick Fuller Long-time Dojo supporter, good friend of ours, and uh, it was basically his... Well, this is kind of like the the brainchild or whatever the, the the saying is of Paddy. he's He's gone out of his way to contact Eric, give him um, sort of like voice direction. Uh, Eric's actually got like a home studio, which is quite handy for recording voices. So if anyone out there wants to... Um, Potentially use Eric again in the future as you know voicing Ren, perhaps Fukusan, Guizang, potentially anime or Shemu Four or something. He has got his own home studio, so <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's pretty flexible like that. And uh, so yeah, Paddy's role was that he's also edited the the audio levels and worked with Lemon Hayes, another team member of the Dojo. Obviously, you've heard that name probably now synonymous with his Phoenix and Dragon Project or Dragon Phoenix Project rather. Uh, recreating Shemu 1 and 2 in Unreal 4. So that looks amazing as well. So Lemon Haze has created this mod for Shemu 3. He's also got a ton of other mods that you can download over on the forums right now, including obviously the Eric and Paul Lucas mod here. I did some testing with Paddy and uh, there was a lot of uh, long nights <laughs> meticulously listening to <laughs> Ren's voice and trying to find out if Ren punching a guy, was that, was that sound, uh, Eric, or was that, Greg, that kind of stuff. Um, so that was fun. Peter he tweaked some of the the audio with Paul Lucas. He, he added like some sort of um enha- enhancement. What would you say, like an audio? Yeah, because
1: uh, unfortunately Paul doesn't have access to a home studio, so I think he recorded it on an iPhone or something, didn't he? And then Pete
0: something like that. He used his own ho- uh, his own and then phone. Peter
1: yeah. got hold of it, did some audio wizardry shall we say, and yeah. um, cleaned it up. And it sounds really, really good, actually, in the mod. And really, really impressive work.
0: Sounds very much like Landy used to do, uh, used to sound back in the day, somewhat 20 years later anyway. So we've got Nathan as well, 24 Nathan. You might know, recognize that name off the forums. He basically went through all of the the voice files of the game, and he was the guy that found a lot of the, the awkward files, as it were, like... Uh, you know, like Ren. There's, there's like a second section where there's a lot of Ren files in the bat, battle sounds area, where we might have like little one-liners or quirks or something as he's as he's fighting. So those were all in there, and, and Nathan dug them out. And then we've got a couple of Lemons' friends that helped. Um, I'm not quite sure in what capacity, but Mistle and Dewey. So all in all, a good team of people there that helped create this. And then for the the actual trailer that we released on the Dojo channel, which you can watch as well, Jibby added his own font graphics. Obviously, Jibby's a, a wizard when it comes to video editing, and um, I think it really made that that video flow really well. Actually, it looked really professional.
1: It did very uh, very good video, and obviously we we went on to stream it live as well, which um, was was good fun to do actually because I. I played it for the first time on stream. I tried to avoid all the um, sort of bits and pieces and trailers and all the rest of it. And yeah, I was thoroughly impressed at how Eric and Paul both sounded 20 years on. And um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know 20 years has passed, in my opinion.
0: No, it, honestly, they, they did an amazing job. And, you know, if you want to download this mod, it's available for the PC. So if you've got Shamu on any client, Steam, Epic or GOG, it's all the same process. You just drag it, literally drag and drop files into a folder and you can play with Eric and Paul again. And that actually goes to the the telephone conversations with the international phone card. So Eric has already voiced Fukusan and Guizang in that section, which is pretty cool. So you've got the, the full package there pretty much. And uh, yeah, if you are a fan of both of them or, you know, just drop them a drop them a message, say, you know, thanks very much for for your time and support, because obviously they, they, they both worked on this for free. So just, just a testament again to the Shenmue community and they're pretty much a part of the community.
1: Definitely. And all, all it says from, from me is thank you, Eric and Paul, for getting involved in, and doing this. And thank you to the team who who pulled this all together.
0: Thank you from me as well. Everyone did. Incredible. And you can actually watch, we did a, a video series of, of each of the scenes compiled kind of, I think there's like eight videos eight scenes. Um, so if you don't have a PC but you want to hear what these scenes sound like in the game, uh, you can go onto the Dojo YouTube channel and it should be the the latest eight videos pretty much. So it's a, a nice set of videos there to to hear these guys all these guys' uh, incredible work. And in light of that we're going to play a little piece of music now just to break up this new section. It's uh, <laughs> it's pretty much at all of those scenes actually it's uh, quite an overused piece of music for Ren. It's basically Ren's theme from Shenmue 3, and it's called Ren of the Port. So that piece of music was Ren of the Port from Shenmue 3. It plays pretty much every morning after you meet Ren in <laughs> those those cool little scenes there. So moving on with other news, other Shenmue-related news, we had a bit of an anime rumour, Matt, if you want to take this away.
1: Yeah, this was a funny one. Um, one night sort of towards the start of the month, there was a um, a tweet came out and it was suggesting at TMS Expo, and TMS Expo is the expo of um, telecom animation who are currently making the Shenmue anime, and they were saying that a trailer would be coming out for the anime, and it would release in November 2021. So us being the dojo, thinking, right, rumour or not, we, we have to act on it so we, we retweeted it we got it out there and it caused a bit of a stir quite frankly and yeah. <laughs> I take some responsibility for that because I was the one who posted it but um, hey ho um, it was unfortunately disproven um, whether it was fake or not we don't know because we had some sort of strange Responses to it from other people who work in the anime sector saying it wasn't true, and they don't normally comment on our tweets or things like that. I mean it could be completely coincidental, but
0: it was weird. Once it was weird, how they replied within a couple of minutes of the post going up. So it was like, I don't know how they were made aware of it, but it just seemed like to me, it's, it felt like um, damage. Uh, what's that word?
1: Damage control. I think a little damage
0: control kind of thing, like something had broken. And uh, they needed to act and kind of like cover up a little bit. But, you know, it could have been a troll. It just seemed very, very specific for a troll.
1: Yeah, it did. Um,
0: Not something you'd normally
1: expect to see anyway. No, if it's a troll, there's a lot of effort been put into it and fair play. Mm. Um, But what it did do is actually, through the back door, give us a bit of news about the anime. Um, mm-hmm. Jason DeMarco, who is um, at the top of the food chain at Tsunami and Adult Swim, who was sort of instrumental in getting the, the anime project off the ground, if you like, um, actually tweeted out to say um, the November 2021 release date was false and it was unlikely to be releasing this year. Yep. So we've. By acting on a rumor, um, we've we've got actually got some anime news that the chance of it releasing this year are pretty slim, and I would be looking at 2022 now. Not to say we won't see trailers or anything this year. I mean that's all up in all up in the air. But mm-hmm. I think news wise at the moment it's going to be a little bit quiet um, w- related to the anime. I would say if you want people like Corey, Eric, and Paul back, you need to make your voices heard on social media because they were keen at looking at getting original voice actors back, but we need to make a bit of noise around it.
0: Yeah, I'd com- concur with that. Just just wherever you can. Obviously, we've got Shemu Day coming up again, 4th of May. She is flying by on it. Um, but yeah, just just whatever you do, just, <laughs> just make sure you, you, we're all pulling in the same sort of direction. Shemu 4, let's get Shemu 4 hashtag. And um, I think there is some specific ones for like Corey for anime or something, but I'm not 100% on those ones. But uh, yeah, just just do what you can, really.
1: Yeah, just get out there, make a bit of noise, and we'll see what comes of it.
0: Great stuff. So moving on, you've been doing continuing your interview series between these sort of episodes. There's going to be a couple of uh, interviews here and there that you've you've, uh, conducted over the past month or so. And since the last episode, you've spoken to Corey Marshall. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure if you want to reveal your upcoming one it's yep. going to be probably after this particular episode as well, but it's a really good one.
1: So as you say, James, I, I interviewed Corey. Um, if you haven't listened to it yet, it's available on Spotify and all good podcast providers. It's a good two-hour sit-down interview, and it's um, it was very, very interesting, especially talking about Shenmue 3 and how that was put together. But the, mm-hmm. the interview that I've just finished editing this week, actually, is uh, with Ezra Crabbe, Who he he works at IGN Japan, a big big Shenmue fan, and we talk about his gaming history and how actually Shenmue has pretty much um, inspired his life choices in terms of he's been to China, he's been ended up in Japan, he's living there, and also the Shenmue Three reveal. inspired him to go into games journalism and that's without us talking about the ideas for Shenmue 4 and what we think may happen around it it's honestly it's um one of my favorite interviews and Ezra was nothing but fantastic through the whole thing
0: and um, it's one of my favorite as well to be honest I was surprised actually that he became a, a gaming journalist after like 2015 because I feel like he's he's been at IGN for for ages really it
1: does and I just assumed he'd always sort of worked around the industry, but I mean, clear, clearly not. Um, but yes, that's going to be out on the fourth of May for Shenmue Day, so look out for that.
0: Yeah, definitely listen to that one. Well, listen to the whole series, really. But that Ezra one, some of the stories he was telling was, you know, crazy. Really, uh, it's a great one if you're interested in Chinese culture and you know Guilin. That that story about him. Traveling to Guilin and <laughs> buying a boat—that was amazing—and <laughs> uh, becoming a martial arts teacher. Even you know, it's it's he's, he's literally lived a Shemu life. So if that is uh, something you're interested in, keep an eye out for that one. Next up, pass uh, I think this came out actually just literally just after we recorded episode three. So this is kind of like old oldish news now because we've kind of we're, we're close to another update. Uh, for Superpass. but the update I'm going to talk about in this particular episode is the on- online manual update. So if you're not actually sure what Superpass is, it's basically a mobile device application that you can download for iOS and Android devices um, over at Sukupass.com. And it is a fateful recreation of Shemu One's original passport. A lot of these features were online only. At the time, you connected your Dreamcast to the internet to access this content. And so we've tried to, to restore that content as best we can. So obviously on the Dreamcast, Shenmue came with manuals, like physical manuals that you could read through, but also it had its own little manual that was online and exclusive to online. So you connect to your, your Dreamcast via modem internet line back, back in those days, you, you won one p a minute, whatever it was, fifty six k modems, and uh, it's actually within the online section of the passport. One of the one of the features was its own manual, and there's some really interesting information there. I mean, for most Shenmue players, we pretty, pretty much know everything there now. But it's just really interesting just to to go through some of those pages and um, learn about the you know the training system, and you know, there's there's, there's information on all of the mini games. How to, these like controllers, so you you can see the controls and that sort of stuff. That a player and be just being introduced to Shenmue for the first time, uh, if he stuck that passport disc in, and was trying to find some extra little information about the game, there. That's, uh, it's it's great that that's finally been restored from uh, again the sands of time. That's uh, unfortunately lost a lot of these uh, amazing little bits of Shenmu folklore just bits and bobs and uh, I will say that the next update that we we've we've been working on is something I'm I'm pretty excited about it's the Nozomi's messages section which we kind of already had but we were using as like patch notes but now we've actually restored Nozomi's messages as uh, previously intended where she kind of gives hints if you you get stuck at a part in the game um, so we've created like the list of Shenmu's goals and uh, you can select the goal and she'll give you the relevant hint at the time that you would have had a uh, link to your save file wherever you were, progression-wise, through Shenmue 1. And she's also got some extra information, which will bring me into the next news point, actually. So phantomriverstone.com, an amazing resource for all things Shenmue. I did a, a guest blog post recently, which, based on some of the superpass things that we've been working on, some of the information posts from Nozomi and that little section there which I've just been talking about, It was some very detailed information about Sakuraoka, the the cherry blossom things that were going on there, in terms of her her mentioning that there's a lot of like cherry blossoms growing on a hill. So I was thinking one night in bed what all this could mean because they keep bringing up Sakuraoka and cherry blossoms, and actually Sakura is in the name of Sakuraoka. And something just hit me. There was a a video, like a promo trailer of Shemu, or I forget where it was from. It was like a really old maybe like the chemu premiere, that kind of thing, that kind of era, of Ryo sitting under a tree and there's just loads of cherry blossom trees around him and it's like a big, wide-open sort of area. And I was just thinking in my head, like, they keep going on about Sakuraoka and cherry blossoms. And when I was looking around the end of March, April in-game, uh, the only tree that was in bloom was the the Shamu tree, well, the Hazuki Residence tree, cherry blossom tree. Actually blooms over time at the end of March, and obviously most players probably not going to get there just naturally. You're going to have to either be really shit at the game or slow or what, or use the the day skip. You know when you try and uh, break into the the old warehouse district. So yeah, that that tree gradually blooms until it reaches a certain point where uh, the petals are falling. It, it it just looks amazing. It's like majestic how the petals are falling and. It's, it's so amazing to see. And the fact that a lot of the passport stuff was just kept mentioning sakuraoka and cherry tr- cherry blossom trees. So I went looking and obviously nothing was there. So I did a little bit of a poster on something I was just thinking about where I put two and two together and perhaps they were originally planning that that little preview video of Rio sitting under the cherry blossom area. In fact, this is a, a, another Phantom Riverstone post where there's like a path that's been walled off at the top of Sumiya sans you know, that road where she's sweeping. We spoke about it last episode, actually, where it's it looks like it's been walled off. But in fact, Lemon Hayes and a few other people have found that if you, uh, I think it's like camera, if you, you, you drag the camera out, you can see the remnants of a path that leaves uh, leads to this sort of hillside, sort of massive sort of area. So I just put two and two together. And if you're interested in what I'm talking about here and uh, you want to tell me if you think I'm onto something in all of that, uh, you can check out that guest blog post I did for Phantom Riverstone. And uh, he's got a few other uh, blog posts that I'm kind of waffled on for a bit there, Matt, if you want to just run off those other blog posts.
1: Yeah of course. So one of my personal favorite ones actually is the Shenhua House comparison from Shenmu 2 to Shenmu 3. And um, I think it just does the outside at the moment, but there's going to be another one following up with him doing the interior as well. Definitely mm-hmm. a, worth a worth a read and actually Shenhua's house hasn't changed that much in in general terms, obviously we know there's an extra room etc but for the most part, it's pretty true to Shenmue Two, which is fantastic. Um, there is another post um, using some information from Lemon Hayes, where he's found an unused bat model in 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 Shenmue One, mm-hmm. and it's also, a placeholder, yeah, thing. placeholder type thing. And also, there was a Band Aid file found. This was another post, so it's it's intimated that at one point or another during the early days of Shenmu, you could actually be buying band-aids from Tomato or or the A Convenience Store. So it might might explain why Rio's got a plaster on, but you never know.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting little find that. I'm not sure why you'd you'd want to keep buying band-aids unless I think someone mentioned that perhaps Shenmue was originally going to start before the Landy scene, the introduction scene. So Rio was going to have a bit of like a, you know, I think he got that scar as a, a child, actually, in a, like a karate tournament or something. So perhaps we were going to relive that, and then you know, one of the things would be to go to the shop and buy a, a plaster for it. I'm not sure.
1: It's possible, isn't it? I mean, I don't want to go into it too much now, but then obviously, you look at the Shenmue Saturn footage. There is footage where Aow is alive with Ryo and san outside the dojo. So I would say that theory is pretty solid that it was going to. They initially wanted the game to start before Landy came up and murdered a WoW.
0: Yeah, who knows? Anyway, it's it's very interesting, and you can read all of those posts and more at phantomriverstone.com. So next up, Cartridge Thunder is now stocking the Shemu 3 soundtracks. Uh, if you're not aware Cartridge Thunder... Uh, I'm not sure if they do games as well, but I know they've got quite a lot of the, the most recent Sega sort of vinyl record soundtracks on there. I've, I've I noticed they've got the, the Panzer Dragoon soundtrack, Comic Zone soundtrack, and now they've got the Shimo 3 soundtracks. So if you haven't already picked them up from Limited Run or Big Wax, or even that, that French site that Just For Games who had the exclusive fluorescent green variant, uh, and I think Amazon stocking some as well. I'm not sure... Price-wise, if they're all kind of equal, but you, you can check around whatever's most local to you, shipping-wise, uh, there's quite a lot of options there now available for, for the, the soundtracks. And finally, depending when you hear this, as long as you're hearing this before the 1st of May, you can grab Shemo 3 in the Humble Bundle, Humble Choice. Uh, I know you've already done this, Matt, um, so do you want to talk yeah. how, how this is, uh, what you know what's going on here and how you can get this?
1: So, for those who aren't aware of Humble Bundle, they are a, basically they they give away um, twelve games a month for for a set price of twelve dollars, and the money goes to charity. So it's quite quite good um, thing, and the charity changes each month and the rest of it. So this month, Shenmue Three was part of it as one of the main sort of headline featured games, and for twelve dollars, which is about eight or nine quid in in British money. Um, you can get yourself a copy of uh, Steam, Epic, whatever you want, copy of Shenmue 3. Um, I also picked it up partly because I wanted F1 2020 with it because <laughs> uh, it looked quite good, so I thought, why the hell not? Mm-hmm. Um, what you do is you sign up for the monthly subscription, and then if you don't want to continue it, you just cancel it straight away, and then you go into the um, library, grab your codes, enter it into either Steam or Epic, and away you go. You've got a copy of Shenmue 3.
0: Brilliant. Uh, I'd, I'd recommend doing this, I think you you did it as getting an extra copy for a, like a potential giveaway or whatever, so it's not, if you've already got the game, it doesn't really matter if you want the other games that come with it, and you've got a, a spare Shemu 3 code as well, is uh, not a bad idea, really, for, for what, what do you say it was, $12? You know, about a tenner? Yes. Or £9 or something, you know, it's, it's dirt cheap, really. Bargain.
1: Absolute yep. bargain.
0: And, that pretty much brings me to the end of the news section, unless you've got anything else to add to that, Matt?
1: No, I think it's, there's gonna be a lot of community news sort of dropping in and out over the next few months um
0: I'm sure we've missed something like oh, there's probably. so many different communities you know feathers and uh <laughs> Shemu masters and all that sort of stuff
1: yeah there's, there's people pumping out like, artwork and everything else in the community left right and center. It's actually a really good time I think in the community. I think there's a buzz around it again um which is really good to see and let's just let's just keep it up
0: yes, I agree man so. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a short break and play a song from the kitchen brothers we played a couple of their songs last episode if you're not aware kitchen brothers are like us shemu fans and they they actually own or went out of the way to own some of the original shemu music equipment that the the music composers and uh, engineers used for shemu to try and recreate some of those shemu sounds and they've they've done some amazing tracks actually that sound very much like they could have come straight out of Shamu. And we're going to play another for you right now. This is Harita Theme. back so that was the hirata theme from the kitchen brothers and you can actually find that song and more along with their music video counterparts over on joe kitchen's youtube channel so basically just go onto youtube and search for joe kitchen shimu and his channel should pop up and we'll of course have the links to all of these topics and more in the show notes and on youtube as well And this brings us nicely into our section, our big discussion section now on all of the kind of like the unanswered questions that we've got from the Shenmue series so far. We're going to do a bit of a deep dive into all of this stuff and hopefully provoke, you know, memories of this stuff from the games, perhaps some of your own theories or uh, just to try and get people back up to speed with what we know. From Shemu 1, Shemu 2, Shemu 3, and what, as fans, we are expecting story wise in potential Shemu 4, Shemu 5, uh, Shemu 6, as, as many as Yu Suzuki wants to do. But we just wanted to create this list, basically, just as hopefully like a useful research list. I mean, I don't know if anyone from YSNet or anyone involved in any of the Shemu games might hear this podcast, but if they do, you know, hopefully, we've summarised some of the things that fans are expecting answers for.
1: Yeah, and sort of what we're what we're excited to to find out because there's a lot of un- unanswered questions, isn't there? There
0: is, and not even just story points in particular, but just you know, just random small items that currently don't have a use that we'll get into in a little bit. That just make your, your mind go a bit bit wild, really, at some of the thoughts of what these could actually be be used for, or what, what is the purpose? And hopefully we will get an answer to these points eventually. I also just want to quickly add that we also do a, a YouTube counterpart to this audio format. So if you are listening to the audio-only version of this podcast, you can head over to the Shimadojo YouTube channel, and we'll provide videos and images to just add a little bit of context to, to these discussion points. So we're going to start off the discussion with Rio's father, wow and Landy's father, Zhao Suming. Everyone's seen that photo that, that Ryo has. And uh, in fact, he, he shows quite a lot of people in, in Shenmue 3, this photo of his father and um, Zhao Suming. And basically, this we're, we're led to believe that this photo is from a time where Iwao and Zhao were friends and they were training possibly in Bailu village. And I don't know who's to, who's taken the photo. Maybe it was with Mai's, Mai's camera. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, we're going to try and break down what we know about Owao and Zhao Sunming. So, Wow is obviously Rio's father. And in the 60s, he was thought to have been in China. And specifically, he trained in Baili Village. And we know this because in Shenmue 3, some of the older residents mistake Rio for his dad. You know, that, that scene where, uh, is it Grandmaster? It's
1: Grandmaster Feng.
0: Grandmaster Feng, he, he sees Rio and sees him standing there in his, his, his leather jacket and <laughs> immediately recognizes him as a, as a wow. And um, that just kind of emphasizes like the impact that a wow had. I suppose at the time, you know, seeing a foreigner in China might have been quite unusual to see. I don't know if uh, is Zhaosoming Chinese, is he or?
1: I, yeah, I think he is. So... I mean, it's what, what was interesting, actually, is part of that, is how Wao and Zhao actually met. Where, where did mm. they meet, how did they meet, and how did they become friends? Yeah,
0: that's very true. And, and no one actually seems to mention Zhao Saming uh, while you're in the village, bizarrely, apart from, actually, the um, the temple lady who says that, you know, she she, she kind of says, like, uh, at one stage, they, they both stopped appearing, didn't they? Something happened, and they were training there every single day, and then suddenly, the, neither of them showed up ever again.
1: Yeah, it's very mysterious that all of a sudden, Awao Wow and Zhao left the village, and we we don't know why. And yeah, it's, it suggests that other factors were at play, and they either had to leave the village or or whatever. But it's very strange, mysterious circumstances to be training there consistently, to then all of a sudden stop
0: mm-hmm. and praying. Actually, in the temple, mm-hmm. she must have been there at the time where they were they were showing up regularly and wow actually left uh, one of those Emma or Ima messages so uh, if you remember a lot of the Shemubakas backers did that to you where you could have your own sort of email message at the temple and she actually gives a wow uh, message to Rio because obviously he's his son so she seems appropriate that you know he should have this and he actually leaves a message for Rio's mother which is uh, interesting and it states, uh, Akane, who's his mother's name. Akane, I promise to return. Wait for me. Uh, since Akane is a Japanese name, you'd think that uh, a wow means he'll return to Japan soon. Yeah, this, this was a point we're not sure about. Whether he promises to return, so wait for me. Is he saying that from a distance kind of thing? He's in China at the moment. She's in Japan. And he's just leaving, like a thought on a message, like you know, I'm going to return soon. Please wait for me. Or could it be interpreted that she's in the village and I was leaving the village? You know, what what are your thoughts there, Mon? Yeah,
1: it's it's interesting. That's a very interesting point you bring up. I mean, the common consensus is because her name is a Japanese name that it's a message home, and yep. that would be so sort of probably. If you, if you were betting, man, that's where you put your money. But yeah. uh, the, the, the the theory around her being in the village is an interesting one because there has to be a tie to that place, not just the mirrors. And that could be the tie that actually rio has got some history there that he doesn't know about yet, but may come to the fore in Shenmue 4, either through um, if they did the flashback on the boat again, for example, they may randomly bring in the, the fact that a while I was actually with somebody in the village there's so many ways they could play it, but I think the the, the the most sensible way with it would be that she was at home and he was just leaving a message as as part of sort of part of tradition if you like almost um yeah. rather than being somebody in the village but it'd be an interesting twist if um Rio's mother was actually Chinese well it's
0: interesting anyway in general because. Why is even, you know, why is a wow even in China, really, if you think about it? If he's got a family back in Japan, he's, uh, you know, he's at the Hazuki residence with his wife, and, uh, you know, he's training pupils perhaps in his dojo, or maybe he's not that experienced enough to be a master of sorts. So maybe that's why he's training in China, because that's where people that want to become you know, martial arts masters go to train, I'm not sure, but because he's he's got his own style of martial arts, you know. And in fact Ryo is well, he's studying jujitsu or you know, so that that's like a Japanese style. So it's it's interesting. Why is wow, uh, wow even in China really in the first place?
1: it is interesting and also it's we don't know a lot about the lineage of the Hazuki style itself. I mean a Wow was killed at the age of forty six. So he's in his twenties when he's in China. So mm, right, so he's still
0: training, probably like he's still becoming a, a martial artist. He he, just, he wants to to soak up all this um, these different styles and these different techniques and stuff from all these different trainers, perhaps.
1: Yeah, I, I, that's the most plausible explanation. I, I think I want to pick up on your point actually around leaving family at home. I mean, obviously he's, he's got a wife at home that he's i'm I'm going with that assumption got a wife that he's left at home so she must be very very understanding for him to bail on her for a few years and go and train martial arts in china Mm -hmm. it begs the question i don't think i don't know if we'll ever find this out but it's a thought in my head is is a wow's father at home for example because there's got to be a there's got to be a lineage oh
0: that's true because he's he's 20 Whatever in his twenties. So, so yeah. So
1: there's the is the Hazuki lineage there, is Awow's is father there who would be Ryo's grandfather? Because we don't we don't know. We we just don't know, and I'm just guessing, but it it would make for an interesting story nonetheless.
0: The thing is with Chemu though, a lot of them are like orphans, aren't they? There's like this kind of recurring orphan thing. So, you know, perhaps a is an orphan as it's well. It's possible. Um, you know, which is which is why he's got the Kind of like the, the 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 power to choose what he wants to do. So he's gone to China for some reason. I mean, it's it's really when you start thinking about it like that, there's a lot of interesting elements there of like what Bao actually knows. He must know about the mirrors because he brought them back. We know he he brought them back. Well, we don't know if if he murdered Zhao Seming and stole the mirrors, perhaps, or. You know, these these weird things there. He knows something about the mirrors that he hasn't told Rio for all these years. And if you think about it, we know Rio's mother died, I think, when he was three. Did we got that?
1: Yeah, that's the that's what the common consensus is, that she died when he was three to so around 1970 and 1971, which right. we've got Zhao dying in 1965 so for a bit of context to it.
0: Okay, so so Zhao's died. We don't know if Zhao's murdered him or not. We know he must have had a son before he died, yep. <laughs> which was Landi, became Landi. So he's returned back to Japan with the mirrors that Zhao Siming apparently was entrusted to for some reason, which we'll get to in a little bit. But an added little bit of context there, the, the emperor and empress came into Bailu village to get mirrors created for the treasure that they wanted to lock away. I don't know why the mirrors would be a lock or, or be a key rather, to unlock the treasure and what the treasure is. But then at some point Zhao was entrusted with the mirrors and then died, whether or not he Iwau murdered him or not. And then a wow has got in possession of these mirrors. He's brought them back to Japan. Whether or not he was with Akane then, he's his mother died when she was three somehow, we don't know how. Uh, when Rio was three, sorry. So that means from 65 to 71, 70-71. So, if you add three years, well, if you take three years off that, that's 1967, 68. So, a wow has like returned to back to Japan. And within three years, he's got Akane pregnant, whether or not they were together. And perhaps that's that's why. But then, no, they must have been together because he left the message, didn't he, that said, I promise to return. Yeah. So, he's left for China at some point. We don't know what year and for how long. So, Akane's back at home well, we led to believe in Japan. He's returned back. They've spent three years of quality time together, had a baby, ended up being Ryo. And literally, that's all we know, kind of. And we know that Oweo hid one of the mirrors under the cherry tree, the dragon mirror, and the phoenix mirror he hid in, hid in the basement of the Hazuki residence, which he didn't tell anyone about that basement either. He hid that away. So there's a lot of like secrets that well kept. And we don't actually know if these secrets of what killed his, you know, Rio's mother, or she, maybe she died of illness. Was it?
1: Yeah, I think it, I think illness is what's been touted. And you raise an interesting point about the mirrors being hidden because early on, at the start of Shenmue One, if you go into WoW's room, he's got that letter on the desk that Rio reads about. So he
0: knew he was going to die as well. Yeah, yeah.
1: about leading the path and living on the path of a warrior and being prepared to die like a warrior. So. How does he know that because in? How does he know that someone's coming after him or potentially coming after him? And does he
0: know? Because, well, he he must know because he's left the letter. But then when he sees, he sees Landy and he says, no, it can't be you. So it's like he doesn't expect to see Landy coming to kill him, but he knows he's going to die. So how does that work?
1: Yeah, exactly. And we know from Shenmue 3, and I'm sort of jumping ahead a little bit. We'll cover this in more detail later, but that the Chi U men took Landy in as a child. And we know Landy is around the age of 10 when his father was killed. So that's prime age. And there's a theme here with the Chi Yu men taking people in early, uh, (laughs) early in their childhood and training them. So he's old enough to, to remember what's happened or be manipulated into thinking something's happened, which is a question we are desperate. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely desperate to to find out it's the key to the the majority of the story in my opinion <laughs> and there's another I mean
0: Landy in his father dying has become an orphan as well because we don't know if Landy's got a mother we assume probably not uh, well he must have had it at some point but I mean he's obviously made this decision or like you say he's been coerced into joining the Chiu men at some point to seek revenge, so he 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 wanted to become stronger, to, probably to a point where he can now go over and kill kill a Wow, or if he's been led to believe that a Wow, we we don't know we don't know these these things. I I mean I, I raised a point to you previously that perhaps now that we met Niao Sun, we know she's a master manipulator. Yeah, not actually sure how old she is, but. Uh, I was thinking like perhaps she could have manipulated Landy into thinking that it was a WoW that killed his father or are we led to believe that Landy's literally seen a WoW fight his father in front of his eyes so that he knows for certain that a WoW has killed him. That You know, the, these, these points, we, we haven't got a clue which direction that's going to go. No,
1: and we want them answering. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much.
0: I mean, that one is a surefire. It's got to get an answer, surely. You'd hope so. We've got to learn eventually why... Landy thinks a wow killed his father, and if he did, what was the motive behind him killing the father? The mirrors I don't buy are enough of a motive. No. Apart from apart from the fact that if we're led to believe, you know, like what Master Chen says, where if someone gets a hold of him, like a bad person gets a hold of him, Chi Yu, this monster thing, is gonna resurrect himself. Perhaps that could be a reason why maybe Zhao Suming was like saying like I'm going to use these mirrors and you know power maybe got the better of him and Landy yeah, got
1: possibly. them stole
0: them took them home hid them so that no one could get them and you know bring this this monster thing you know this. Yeah. this... It's, it's the, really interesting.
1: <laughs> the, there's also this sort of semi-popular fan theory running around at the moment where actually, I mean, Landy's got obviously the dragon, one of the, the heavenly beasts. Yeah. dragon is also one of the emblems of the emperor and the empress. Mm. So did Zhao have a connection to the emperor and empress? Is Landy related to the emperor and empress? Is there a reason behind the mirrors that he wants them not just because of what's gone on with the WoW necessarily, but because there's a personal motive behind it as well. We don't think the Emperor is Zao Ming, do we? Like, I mean, I'd be surprised, but I mean, hmm. funnier things have happened in the world, haven't they? So who knows? It's just an interesting point that...
0: Because then that could be the reason why he is entrusted with the mirrors, because he is the Emperor. He had them made for himself.
1: Yeah, or he could have been close. <laughs> or he could have been close to the Emperor at the time. There's there's so many ways it could go with it,
0: and the empress is Shenfor's mother, right? Emperor and empress. So if you know, it, it, it really could buy into that theory people had where Landy and Shenfor are actually related because maybe they had two children. And uh, oh, we'll get we'll get into that stuff later with yeah. the flashbacks and stuff like the eras, because actually that doesn't make sense. If you, well, it, it 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 could make sense, but it doesn't if you go off the nineteen ten.
1: Yeah, timeline. Yeah, Landy yeah.
0: couldn't have been born by them, but then again, Shenfor couldn't. So it's it's very very weird, isn't it? Really. <laughs> that's
1: that's an interesting interesting point on its own. We'll cover that in a bit. So we're going to move
0: on, unless if there's anything else you wanted to add to that, man.
1: No, I think we've we've covered that nicely.
0: Cool, cool, cool. I'm gonna. I think I'll probably ask you at the end of every one of these points, just in case. I don't want to move on too too yeah, soon if you had cool, something. Cool. So next point we're going to bring up is Zimming. Now, again, this has kind of been touted that perhaps Simming could be Landy because we saw those flashbacks with Shuing, where she's telling Rio about her brother or... Well, I don't know if she's actually telling Rio about her brother or we're just seeing the flashback of what happened. Uh, perhaps Rio doesn't actually know the context of the flashback it's just like a what we see as a player but basically it's kind of that same sort of thing so like landy's seen his father die and he's sought revenge on a wow in this flashback we've seen that shuing and zimming related brother and sister they've seen their parents killed or you know their parents have been killed by something and zimming's that pissed off that angry <laughs> he's he's gone and sought revenge or, he, you know, he, he, he quotes something about the Chiyu Men, so he's, he's gone off to join the Chiyu Men. You know, so it, either the game and Yu Suzuki are trying to lead you down that path where it's it's an obvious connection, like Ziming's got to be Landy, they've both gone um, in search of revenge, they've both joined the Chiyu Men. I think even they both got scars on the faces, which, we, we you know, you could say is a, a definite given. And also... We've got some information here about the age range. When Zhao Ming died, from what we know about Shuing's age in Shamu Two, she would have been about four or five.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: and Ziming would have been more like 10, 10 or eleven. So yeah. if you if you look at that flashback scene, you know Ziming looks older than than Shuing, That you know that's kind of thing. But in that in that flashback, actually, Shuing sort of looks around eight years old in the flashback which I think that kind of still adds up because Zimming would be about 13-ish then, 13, 14. Yeah. Um, so the ages do kind of add up that um, if you add on those years later kind of thing, it's it ends up being around Landy's age.
1: It does, and... It's, I mean, this would be an almighty red herring, a bit of a swerve, if you like, because I think somewhere along the line, um, Yuzuki himself has said that Ziming and Landy are two different people. But yeah. their paths are so similar, aren't they? Well, we're led to believe yeah. their paths are so similar. They lose parents at a young age. They join a team at a young age. Could be manipulated by them or, and then a training in martial arts. It's very interesting with Ziming and Zwing because they are Bajiquan masters by the point mm-hmm. of being adults. So, given that Rio has trained in Bajiquan across Shenmue Two and also Shenmue Three, I wonder if there's going to be a link there between the martial arts styles. So, does Ziming recognize the martial arts style if he fights Rio, for example? Rio whacks out the body check or whacks out the counter elbow assault, and Ziming's like, "Hang on, where where did you learn this?" I'm also going to pull it back to the flashback because you talked about we're not quite sure if um, if Jewing is telling Rio about it. And I would assume she's probably not. But what we do know around it is that Rio talks to Jewing and says, I know how your brother felt. And he mm-hmm. goes, you too know how how he felt. And it's that, that line, this is like, it, it sort of gets you a little bit, as in it, it builds that connection. So, for example, I think we'll she, we will see Zhuing again down the line. And bearing in mind as well, we haven't even talked about the Ying and Yang pendant yet. No. Where she gives him that pendant towards the end of Shenmue 2 before you leave for Gui Ling. And you get another cut scene where Ziming gives it to her. So that, that for me, has to have a really important role. Bearing in mind as well, it's still in the inventory in Shenmue 3. They haven't retconned it, it's still there. So that has to play some sort of role when Zimming comes into the, into the story and how he comes into the story. And there's so many ways he could do it. I mean, Rio could be taken hostage by Ziming. Zimming could train Rio. Um, I don't know, he could beat Rio in a fight and he's about to finish him off, you know, kill him possibly, and the pendant falls out and he stops because he sees it, and there's so many ways he could go about this, but again, it's for me, because it's still in the inventory, it has to be important and it has yeah. to be answered.
0: Yeah. And I I've always envisioned like Rio finally meeting Zimming, perhaps, you Yeah. Know, where he's, he's maybe we've seen that little comic comic page from Shemu 2's, you know the, the 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 comics that were yes there was a, there's a there's an image actually with Ziming and Sun. so yeah. maybe on our, our journey to try and get the Phoenix Mirror back from Sun, Ziming could be there you know depending on where we end up and I've I always envisioned like Rio noticing the pendant perhaps he's got it around his neck mm. sees half of it he shows Ziming the other half. And suddenly Zimming realizes about his sister again you know he's forgotten about his sister and that the past that they had and the whole revenge thing he had um but yeah I mean going back a little bit you, you mentioned Yusuzuki's said that you know ziming's definitely not mandy I mean would is, is Yu Suzuki likely to mean that or could he, he just be making that up just so it doesn't spoil oh. something that he thought was a good a good twist and then you know in that particular interview? Someone's nailed, you know, the end of Shemu series. <laughs> you know, perhaps this is like the final scene in his in his head, and he's thinking, "Oh, you know, shit, this this fans just asked me the question. I didn't think anyone would get, you know, put two and two together like this until the end of the game. So, no, no, Zimming is definitely not <laughs> land. You know what I mean? Just so it is like an extra. We don't know what's going on in his head, do we? I mean, no, we don't. Uh, all the all these points, all these things, they sound like Zimming is Landy, but. It depends on which which way you want to take that, if you want to take uses uh, you literally or, you know, it's still an element of, uh, you know, maybe he's got that on uh, <laughs> a little bit of deceiving uh, nature yeah, about him. He, cool. he doesn't want you to think. But I will mention something else that I thought about, um, you know, when we are talking about the scars under, they've all got scars under left eyes. They do, yes. You've got Ziming's got a scar, which we can see from... Uh, I can't remember if you can see it in the flashback but we can definitely see it at, well it must have been in the flashback because we, were, when we were researching this we did a lot of research actually before this episode to try and make this right and I think it was in the flashback you could see a little scar under his eye and perhaps even in that comic strip I can't remember but he's got a scar it looks a little bit different to Landy's but it depends if you think about how that scar could heal over the years perhaps it could heal where Landy's you know it's it's kind of like a a horizontal sort of scar, like a a sharp line, whereas Zimmings is kind of like a bit more vertical. So it depends really if they they are two different people or there's some sort of um, discrepancy in the way that the scars healed or whatever. And I will mention, you know, even rio has got a scar on his left eye that we can't see. And in fact, I was thinking about the Band-Aid, not not the Lemon Haze Band-Aid fine thing, but just just the Band-Aid in general that could be a red herring in itself so you don't even think about rio's scar you just you, obviously we know he's got a scar he's got a bandage over it but as a player that doesn't really um equate in your head really it just you, you don't really think like rio's got this massive scar like landy's got a scar he's just it's just a plaster it's, it's kind of like covering up something that we're not not supposed to know about in a sense and I don't know where we're told that he's he he had it from, like a karate uh, accident kind of thing as a as a child in a tournament or something. But it's very convenient. Three people there, three different people, that have all got revenge paths. Rio's on revenge for his father. Landy killed Rio's father, he, that was his revenge. Zimming's parents had died, and they've all got scars under the, the left cheek, you know, on the left cheek, under the left eye. Is there some significance there?
1: <laughs> Possibly. I mean, I'm being a bit philosophical when I say this and but could the band-aid for Rio almost be like because we don't know what path he's going to go down. What if he does take revenge? Will that will that come off? I mean I'm I'm being really, really fit.
0: That's real. That's a no that is a cool point though when you think about it. Like Landy and Zimming are, are showing their scars. The proud of the scar aren't they? It's like this is a revenge. Whereas like Rio's covering it up because he's a bit more sympathetic perhaps, you know, he's, he's got that character in him. We can see Z- Sh- Shewing's even tried to teach him to take him away from that path of his uh, of her brother. Um, And, you know, he's never removed that plaster. I know it's a, a bit of a running joke. It's probably healed by now, but if there's a deep scar like Landy's and Zimmings, you know, he's, 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 he's constantly covered it throughout all three games so far, you know, as, like you say, he's like a a bit of a, a metaphor, really.
1: Yeah, possibly. <laughs> it's, it's it's certainly an interesting point, but I think the wider point around Zimming and shuing and how that will develop into Shenmue Four and beyond and She Men and and all the workings there. I think it's it's a really really important question that we need answering.
0: Definitely. And uh, like I say, hopefully we do meet Zimming at some point, and that could be when shewing's reintroduced back into the into the franchise. Um, yeah,
1: makes sense. Yeah,
0: I mean, possibly expecting to see her in Shenmue 3, but then again, we're going to be expecting to see, see her every game until we do see her, <laughs> pretty much, mm-hmm. aren't we? So hopefully we'll see her in Shenmue 4 and uh, you know, perhaps she has that re- reunites up with her brother again. That would be a cool little story element there.
1: Yeah, it would. It would be, be a nice way to round that story off unless they want to get really, really dark. and.
0: You say that she's going to kill uh, Ren.
1: Yeah, she... Had... She has to t- Ziming and Ziming have to fight or something. It could be they could go so many ways with it, but needs answering. Yeah, it needs answering.
0: And <laughs> if if you can't tell, at all these points, we we're hoping we get an answer for. You know, these these are major plot points. Perhaps not so much the next one that I'm going to go for. This is Master Baihu, who Rio meets at the end of the Kowloon uh, Yellowhead Building. He's in the basement. He kidnaps Joy, kind of. We're led to believe. You know, Joy kidnapped down there. Yeah. Master Baihu—he doesn't seem particularly evil as such, but he has—he's kidnapped Joy, and Rio ends up having to defeat Master Baihu to rescue her. But you know, Baihu is he's is, is quite noble in the fact that Rio does overcome him. And uh, you know, he's got that famous line where he says, "I will remember that name." You know, Rio has You know, what's your name, Rio Hazuki? I will never forget that name, kind of thing. So. The reason why this is in the list, it's, I mean, to be honest, this is probably one of the, the least important things. I, I wouldn't, I, I personally wouldn't care if they never mentioned Master Bayou again, but I know uh, fans over the years have kind of theorised that he could could be zimming or he could be related somehow, perhaps Men or something. And also in his name, Bayou, we know Bayou Village, the, the Bai of Bayou Village is, is like white, so white deer, in fact, it was a nice tweet. She's been tweeting actually a lot of um, showing off the, the the Japanese kanji and the Chinese kanji and trying to like translate them and give meaning to what they are. Uh, greed air, greed underscore air on Twitter. A Japanese fan, very interesting tweets. And the one about Baihu that she did uh, was saying that I think that the who part, the you know Bai's white, who was Tiger, which um, if. I think you've got uh, something up there about the, the four heavenly beasts. T- White Tiger is one of them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So White Tiger is, is one of the heavenly beasts. So it's this is where sort of the, the fan theories come from, if you like, that there's more to the name than than we're led to believe. And also we have to consider not just the name in that. And there's four leaders, the two men Obviously, we know Meowthson's the, ph- the Phoenix of the South. We know we've got Landy, he's the Dragon representative. We don't know who White Tiger is, but we, you know, it could be intimated at this point that um, Bayou might be that one. We also know that his martial arts style is Tiger Swallow, which is a really interesting point because if you look at the Wulin shoe when Rio finds it, you see Zhao's ring name in there as the master of Tiger Swallow,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he's died. So there must be another master of Tiger Swallow somewhere. There has to be. How would Landy have learned it?
0: That is interesting. Yeah, so you you you're saying that Master Bai, who could have been the person that trained Landy,
1: not necessarily trained Landy, but I'm 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 more thinking that because if he trained Landy, I don't think Rio would have touched him. That's true. Yeah, I'm thinking more that there was somebody out there who has trained Landy and Bai and might be training some of the two men fighters. Yeah, in Tiger Swallow because otherwise. It wouldn't. It wouldn't make any sense. So there has to be somebody who's proficient in that martial art, who trained Landy and has trained other people.
0: Right, I'm with you. So the reason why this might not be related at all is because long time forum member Landy C. I think everyone knows Matthew Kilpatrick. Um, by now, if you're a, a big Shemu fan anyway, and you're, you're part of the Shemu community, but uh, is his username was C back in the old dojo, and he actually discovered files that he suggested um, that baihu Master Bayou is nothing more than just a Street Fighter, and they actually even had a photo that possibly could have been given to Rio from the Scout. If you remember, the Scout yeah. gives out Street Fighter photos, and perhaps Master Bayou was one of them because um, I think there's something in the the model name or, or the character name of Master Bayou, that um, he's, he's he's kind of like in those street fights. So they've all got the same sort of names, something like that, yeah?
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: I might just read the post, actually, just, just for context. And this was 16 years ago, believe it or not. So... Baihu's role in the Shenmue series has always been a questionable one from his elaborate design, location of appearance, ability in the tiger swallow style, which you just mentioned, Matt, to the conspicuous line Hazuki, I shall remember that name. Speculation is ignited with a many on whether Baihu could be an important character to be seen again, perhaps even at Ziming, that's what we just mentioned, as Baihu translates to White Tiger, which is Ziming's rank among the four Chiyu men. So I didn't realise that actually, so Ziming is apparently that rank of White Tiger. Well, how did they get that it's just that from the comic strip or
1: it was intimated wasn't it okay I, I th- I'm not sure it was intimated I guess I'd i have to do a bit more research on it but it was intimated that he was a leader in the two men at one point although I think that's been disproven since
0: right uh, however, possible new evidence could indicate that Baihu's important exceeds nothing more than just a Street Fighter. For First and foremost, in the game files, each NPC occupies an abbreviated file name, for example, Ryo, obviously for Ryo Azuki, Iwa for Iwa Azuki. Uh, so pretty much all these characters have their own unique abbreviations, except some less important characters, such as the Street Fighters. So all the Street Fighters, such as Greg Moore, Rod Stunt, and Chunyan, who the scout instructs Ryo to defeat, are given abbreviations starting with SF. So, Street Fighter. And Baihu occupies the file name SF4, meaning Street Fighter 4. So, if Baihu was any real importance to the story, I'm sure he wouldn't be labeled as a simple Street Fighter. So, this discovery alone should say that Baihu is just the fourth of the four exceptional fighters of Kowloon representing each direction. So, Chun Yan in the Black Heaven building north, Rod Stunt, Phoenix building to the south, Greg Moore, Blue Dragon garden to the east, and Baihu, Thousand White building. Uh, of the west so that that kind of does make sense actually perhaps you know they just thought while well, he's a pretty cool looking character we could probably do something different with him in the story maybe
1: yeah it, it's an interesting point i mean i think just looking at this post a bit more um mm. you mentioned the photo which was found in the game files by Landy C that would suggest that rio was expected to defeat him yeah i think they then went off on a bit of a tangent i I, I I get the impression that he would have been the test for Rio had Ren not come in and beaten up the scout, and then they raid the Yellowhead building. I think he I think Bai would have been the test. Right. So I think that that would have worked. But obviously, then they've gone with the with Joy kidnapping, and actually I think it's probably a bit of a better best, yeah, better story arc.
0: Yeah, I think it does work out, and he's he's kind of like the the precursor pre boss kind of thing into he's like the boss before. The main boss of of donu yeah. so it kind of works out quite well it, it sets the player up nicely for because it's quite a difficult fight because there's like a three round sort of battle so the player at that stage is getting used to like dodging and counter which you, you're gonna have to do a lot on on doing donu so i think that's it's probably their their mindset there just to try and get the player on that sort of mindset ready for the end boss of the game
1: yeah it I mean, it's one of my favourite fights in the series. It's it's an excellently done fight, and I think that's where the the fighting engine of Shenmue Two actually it shows itself really, really nicely. Mm. So it's yeah, it's a really good good part to it. I mean, is he is is Bai likely to come back? I mean, I'd say probably not. I'd say probably not. And it's while it's nice, one of the most popular fan theories going. I mean, it prompts really good discussion even these days, and we're sixteen years on from this post. Yeah um i think judging by the evidence that land DC's put together i would suggest that he isn't going to play a significant part of the story and it while it'd be cool if he came back i don't think it's ne- i don't think it's necessary i don't think it's needed um it was a good test for rio in terms of his martial arts ability but we've sort of moved beyond that i think
0: yeah i agree i think out of all the points that we're going to mention today, that's probably the bottom of the list for stuff that we're going to for. In fact, there's no, there isn't really a question there. I just thought it's, it's just an interesting, um, interesting discussion topic. Really, just in case this character was to return at some point, and you know what we know about him, what could happen. So the next thing we're going to talk about is probably one of the the biggest elements of the whole of the Shemu series as a whole. It's the mirrors. We know when... Well, we, we don't know much about the mirrors, to be fair, but uh, what we do know uh, comes from different characters in the game, and in fact, when Ryo first gets the mirror from the basement, so he's, he's learnt that there's a mirror somewhere in his house. We know that Landy took the dragon mirror at the start of the game, um, but later on in Shemu 1, he learns from Master Chen that there's a, a second mirror. It's probably in his house, and he discovers it in the basement, which, again... Is a a weird thing in itself that, wow, his father, he's he's hidden this basement from the family. And uh, in fact, even more hidden is the the Phoenix mirror behind the wall that Ryo has to smash to get out. And he explains to Fukusan when he first gazed his eyes on it, on this mirror, gave him like an unexplained feeling, which, you know, it's a bit of a mysterious thing, like there's some sort of magic element going on with the mirror. There's something... Ryo can sense something basically from this mirror. So Master Chen. So we've got basically what the characters say about the mirrors. So Ryo finds the mirror, he takes it to Master Chen. And Master Chen says that when the dragon and the phoenix meet, the gates of heaven and earth will open and Chi-Yu will resurrect itself on earth. So chi a legendary Chinese monster that will devour this world of ours. And uh, Master Chen says that Landy will make use of both mirrors. But even Master Chen doesn't know what he will try.
1: That's uh, that's interesting, isn't it? That it's a legendary Chinese monster. That's the first real take we get on the mirrors, isn't it?
0: Basically, yeah. We, you know, I, I mean, we've have we had any uh, dreams of the mirrors before this point? I feel like there might have been a, a dream of the mirror even before uh, you it might discover have been it.
1: A dream of the I I I I'd have to look at it again. I'm sure someone will correct us if we're wrong. Yeah. I, I mean, I I can't remember categorically, but what I do get is obviously this is the first sort of thing we hear about the mirror, and yep. it's all about this Chinese monster. Now, later on, it talks more about treasure, mm. which it's interesting. So, I wonder where Master Chen got the information from to to what the their purpose is, shall we say?
0: Mm. It's interesting actually, because as a player. I mean, when we were first introduced to Shenmue, it, it just seemed like a, a real life simulator. You didn't really think of these mysterious elements, probably all the way up until the end of Shenmue 2. You didn't really think of any magical or, you know, this, this kind of entity thing going on, or the worldly sort of thing going on. So even Mister Chen, uh, Master Chen's comment about the Chinese monster, the the Qiyu monster, it's kind of like a passing comment at the time because it doesn't really feel like that kind of game. You know what I mean? no it doesn't yeah.
1: it doesn't at all it's sort of the first sort of intimation that there's more going on than just a just sort of a real life game simulator whatever you want to call it if you like mm.
0: so yeah it's 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 crazy to think what master chen means if i know we've seen the you can't well i didn't really want to go into this stuff but we've seen the chemo online trailer where you know, that big monster thing comes out and, you know, the whole world looks like it's getting devoured, like Master Chen says. It's, uh, I, I just want to touch upon the, the things that from playing Shemu 1, Shemu 2 and Shemu 3, what a player uh, knows at that stage. So we don't know nothing more than what Master Chen has just said about the Chinese monster. We don't know if that's going to happen or no. if it's just a, you know, a, a legend, a, a folklore story, basically, uh, from from China's past.
1: So this sort of feeds into the next point. Obviously, Master Chen intimates you've got another mirror at the house. You find it. Brilliant. And these are some scenes that are um, missed a little bit, I think, by people. And you go back and you find them. And you get some information about the mirrors. So the first one is Oishi, who owns one of the antique um, stores in Dubuita. Mm-hmm. So you wander in after you found the mirror. Before you go see Master Chen, you can get these scenes, and you go and speak to him, and he gives you a bit of background on on the stone mirrors. Essentially, um, he comments that they're exceptionally well done, of course, um, and he says that they are a type of precious stone found within the Guilin region region rather, which, according to a book, the emperor ordered a sculptor from Guilin to engrave a guardian onto a stone mirror. Mm-hmm phoenix is on the mirror is a guardian which we know the dragon is related to the emperor as well and is possibly a guardian so because there's this legend around the guardians of and the, the empress and the empress from Shenmu 3 there's undoubtedly a link and there's a connection there and i think actually sort of going into shenri 3 a tiny bit Actually, they've maintained that storyline with it.
0: Yeah, again, it's it's like a passing comment in Shemu One. Yeah, you're not even thinking about the Emperor and Empress, and you know it's only really when you get to Shemu Three that, like you say, they've, they've they've brought that kind of concept back, and we're actually seeing this unfold in real time, aren't we? Really, we're learning about the Emperor and Empress that ordered the sculpture from Guilin to engrave a guardian onto a stone mirror and oishi in Dewita in japan has heard a story from a book that that happened it's it's crazy it is and it's
1: and <laughs> I, I don't want to go into me three story in, in terms, i know it gets it's much maligned in, in some respects but actually this is quite a good thread that they've kept going so someone's obviously yeah. done their research and gone okay it was said here we need to get continue this story thread, and they have done actually. So I was I was quite impressed with it.
0: Or oh, perhaps the other way around. Like the emperor and empress was always going to be a thing, yeah.
1: Possibly, and
0: you know the the added this as a bit of you know law on the mirror for what was to come, basically. Like, yeah, a bit of
1: context to it actually. Quite, quite. Yeah. It leads actually. We talk about legend and guardians. Is the Russia mm-hmm. China shop where if you go and get another cutscene you take the mirror in and the owner of the shop tells you about the Phoenix being the legendary bird of fortune guardian for the the Sky Lord and the other guardian is the dragon. Now the Sky Lord is considered the North star. So you've got the Phoenix on one side and the the dragon on the other. Mm -hmm. So again, it feeds into this, this pairing, the dragon and the Phoenix pairing of, could it be emperor and empress? Uh, Guardians, whatever it is, but the North Star is revered within Chinese mythology anyway, and people worship it. And if you go into sort of the Chinese constellations, which we've sort of done a little bit of research into here, um
0: well, you've got the the Big Dipper, yes, and then there was it. something to the other side, and then there was like the North Star in between them both. Which was
1: Yes. You've got the Big Dipper, which is one light pattern, and actually I think pops up on the light pattern of the Phoenix mirror itself. Yeah.
0: That see that's mind blowing to me. I mean, they've really done research into the stars and constellation formations and, you know, Chinese mythology here because you've got the Big Dipper that's, you know, revered in Chinese culture or whatever, and the North Star in particular, and the Big Dipper is the, the formation that you see coming out of the Phoenix Mirror when Zuy- R does the, the smoke trick thing, which we, we were going to talk about a little bit later. And it's then led to believe that the Dragon Mirror, if you did the smoke trick on that, you would see the the other constellation, and the, it's the North Star that's in between both of these constellations in the sky.
1: Yeah, so, and they're linked. That's They're linked by the North Star hmm. and we'll talk about this a little bit more in terms of constellations and how it links when we get to sort of Yuanda and Zhu zeal and how that's linked together. And then sort of building on the point of legend, you talk to Yagamashi son in, in the park and he talks about the Phoenix being a sacred bird of legend. Uh, but the mirror has an ominous feel to it. Mm. Um, and in China, he goes on to say that there's treasures that contain both good and bad fortune. And it's called The Secret of Yin and Yang, which...
0: A very recurring theme, isn't it, the Yin and Yang stuff?
1: It, it is. I mean, you take Rio and Shenhua, for example. Rio is quite hot-headed and doesn't really think. Shenhua is a bit more meticulous. She, mm. she thinks things through a bit better. And I think she's the calm to Rio's storm, if you like. So that's Yin and Yang there. And
0: obviously, the pendant is Yin and Yang. And yeah. In fact, if if uh, anyone out there is enjoying these sort of audio format podcasts and deep discussion, there's a there's a guy called Shenmue Unofficial and he's got a, a YouTube series and uh, he pretty much did a whole episode on this yin and yang theory and um, really, really interesting stuff I would recommend if you're very interested in the, the Shenmue lore and story and uh, what could come in the future, you know, like what we're doing right now. But He's gone in major detail on Yin and Yang, and uh, it's definitely uh, a good watch, that one, in particular. Yeah, very much Well, so. but listen. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, again, it, that, that theme's there, and you've got Dragon and Phoenix, yeah. Emperor, Empress, yin Yang. It could it could fit together. And then it's, it sort of links in to what Yuan Dezu is saying, that the mirrors form a pair. Mm-hmm. Makes sense when you've got the North Star and you've got the Dragon and the Phoenix there just it, yeah it all fits with that and that they're, they're, they're the key to to the treasures hidden away to revive the uh, the queen dynasty and we've just talked touched on this is the mirrors projected uh shows the formation of seven stars in this case the big dipper, big dipper yeah and, and for those who uh, yeah, aren't too familiar with it, it's a cluster, large cluster of seven stars part of the um constellation ursa major
0: yep yeah
1: and this is sort of feeds into the china the the scene in the china shop where we talk about the big dipper and another cluster of stars mm. and the next cluster we we've sort of done a bit of research into is called cassiopeia which they are the dipper big dipper and cassiopeia are linked by the north star so
0: and it's cool actually in that cut scene in the in the china shop the the shape of um the, the constellations that, you know, it, it tries to emphasize that the Cassiopeia formation has the shape of a dragon in it, because obviously that, that that's what we're led to believe would be coming out of the, the dragon mirror. And the, the big dipper is the phoenix, is that right, or have I got them the wrong way around?
1: Possibly. I think that's right.
0: Yeah, so like we said before, it would seem that the light emanating from the phoenix mirror is, is showing that... Oh, maybe I did get it the wrong way around then. So the phoenix mirror is showing the dragon formation, and because yeah. uh, that's the big dipper
1: that's it right yeah and one
0: would assume that the dragon mirror would then emanate the light pattern of the phoenix to form the pair and ulti- ultimately possibly the map to the treasure that everyone seems to be saying that the well you zoo says that these if if you have both mirrors it, it shows you the map to the treasure i mean it's quite i mean if you do your research like us real it's quite obvious that the the other mirror is going to be the uh the cassiopeia <laughs> <laughs> formation and perhaps then the the north star is where the treasure is. but you know we're not quite sure how useful of a map this would be, um, but it, it is interesting that the the North Star is heavily mentioned throughout the series, and uh, you know it's the star that's that ends up linking both these formations together.
1: It is, and I mean it's this theme again of treasure, isn't it? I think the, the Chiyu monster has sort of been left a bit by the wayside a little bit at this point, because when we get into Shenmue Three, we talked to Yeah at the end of the Bailey Village section. She states um, that if the dragon is the emperor, the phoenix is the empress. The treasure is hidden in their palace, which then sort of feeds into the, the, the mirrors being a key, and the treasure is locked away, and you need the mirrors to get it. So, I think where we're going in terms of story content around the mirrors is it's undoubtedly linking to some sort of treasure of some description, whether it's you know mythical, whether it's a you know, physical treasure. Whatever it is, there is something locked away, potentially at that cliff temple that we don't know about and we must find out about. And she says that this treasure is at the heart of the calamity. It's hidden in the mountains, depicted on the scroll that they find at the top of the bell tower in, in Um Bailu Village, which is accessed by using the Sword of Seven Stars. Now, the Sword of Seven Stars is a bit ironic because there's seven stars in one of the constellations. Yeah,
0: so, well, that's are they both seven stars, do we know, or could that uh, is that uh, Big Dipper? Uh,
1: Big Dipper's seven. The yep. other one is five. Right. And
0: something else uh, I thought I mentioned, just as you were saying that, I just thought of um, Shenfar actually says something, um, you know, before, prior to them leaving to the stone pit in that morning where, you know, she's, she's got a bad feeling. She actually says she was looking at the stars or something. I think it was the North Star that flickered, and she said when the North Star flickers, yes. Something bad happens or something. So again, That's the North right, Star, yeah. you know, is a, a massive sort of uh, feature of the series. I mean, like I said before, as a if you're just speed running the games or you're not really taking much notice of the this story unfolding, perhaps you wouldn't see these these links all the time or this constant reminder of the North Star and the stars and stuff. But if you if you do a bit of research, it's you know it's really interesting.
1: It is, and I mean, we could be sat here doing a whole episode just on all the just mythology, the, the constellations, the North Star, and all, all the things around it. And mm. what we do, yeah, just for a bit of context, is the dragon and the phoenix are two, two of the four heavenly beasts in Chinese mythology. Yeah, and you've got the tiger and you've got the um, black tortoise as well, which also linked to the leaders of the Qi men, etc. I, I don't which... want to go in any... <laughs>
0: there's that other rumor that perhaps there's two more mirrors that could be the tortoise, yeah. you know what I mean? It's we don't know where this game's taken us. So, again, this is a major point that needs answering. And I know I, I don't want to spoil too much, but in your Ezra interview, he was saying, like, Bailu Village is, they can't. I don't know, hopefully they haven't missed the boat, but Bailu Village is a place where these sort of questions could have been answered. You know, the Shemu trees, the mirrors. That, that's where they could have answered these questions that we've still got right now. So hopefully these, these, they find a way of still answering this.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we're lucky that they haven't gone anywhere from a story point of view
2: that
0: you couldn't answer them. No, and I suppose they can always come back to Chambord's house, you know, after the perhaps after they've traversed this the Great Wall to the Cliff Temple, perhaps whatever happens yeah. at the Cliff Temple, they could say, all right, let's go back to your your house and think it through, you know, and then you know they, they, they can reintroduce some of these elements i don't think it's c- completely lost anyway
1: no i don't i just i but the the lore of the mirrors and the treasure even she the monster yeah what's the motivation behind these mirrors why are they there what 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 role do they play in this story that you know again this is in the top rung of things that we need answering going forward is it's it's, is the mirrors and and what they what, what role they play and how are they going to move move things forward? Why why would a wow want to kill someone over these mirrors? Why were they given a protector?
0: Mm-hmm. There's so many questions here. Why did they need to be made in the first place? You know, like what? Yeah. and we're led to believe it's Chempois' grandfather, I think, that ended up creating these mirrors. So how is Whatever's going on with the mirrors, like how has that been put into the mirrors? Like what, what's, what's this, Mister Yuan, the the grandfather, Mister Yuan? How is he able to to create something potentially magical that could resurrect a beast? You know, for all we know, yeah. like it, it, you know, there's a lot of things that how how is any of this possible? So hopefully um, we'll get answers to the, answers to this at, at some point in the future. <laughs>
1: Fingers crossed, again, it's it's one of those that we, we absolutely must have an answer to. I think if we don't, it's going to leave a really, really big hole in the story, quite yeah. honestly. Yeah.
0: Right, so we're going to have a, a little bit of a breather. We're going to play uh, a piece of music, actually, that as you get these scenes from Wan from the the antique shop, Russia China shop, Yamaguchi-san, uh, this is kind of like the theme of the mirrors, so I just thought it would be quite nice just to play this theme of the mirrors just to break up this discussion. Welcome back. Right. We're going to get back into the discussion points here. So we're just going to run through a few quick points now. We've got like a list of bullet points kind of going off, off the, the tangent we had with the mirrors. So basically we've got treasure as a point. So what is this treasure that, you know, is spoken about from Aldier? So at the end of Bailu villages section of Shemu three, Aldier states that if the dragon is the emperor and the Phoenix is the empress, the treasure is the hidden treasure in their palace. So what we do know is that the Emperor and Empress commissioned a set of Phantom Riverstone mirrors that we just spoke about to act as the key to the treasure, which sounds like the treasure's locked away and perhaps the mirrors are the only way to unlock it. So obviously it depends on what the actual treasure is, whether it's something physical or you know maybe something beyond that we're not sure about. Um, and like you said, Matt, the, she says that the treasure's at the heart of this calamity. And uh, it's hidden in the mountains, depicted on a scroll that Rio and Shemfu find at the top of the bell tower, uh, again, that they used the sword of the seven stars to access. um so yeah, I mean there's, there's big significance there. It's on this old ancient scroll and and in fact, I mean what 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 is this scroll what how does this, this scroll link into the whole thing? because if you if you remember at the end of Shenmue two, Mr. Yuan Shemhua's father he leaves a letter for Shemhua that says, you know, go with the one that holds the phoenix and find the proof so thinking about what the proof could be is is this is this scroll the proof you know they found the proof at the top of the ball tower perhaps and the, the scroll depicts yeah it could be Niawu not not quite sure why it depicts Niawu there's no real context there that's I think that's going to be down to like having to rush the story really that is depicted on the scroll I mean it, it, it serves as a, a place for Rio and Shenfor to head to so that kind of does link up in terms of story, but actually nothing really significant is in Niawu other than Landy, but that probably wouldn't be on the scroll. So that's that's a, another topic for another day. But the picture that follows the Niawu bet is the is the cliff temple and the and the treasure. So could that be the proof?
1: It could be, couldn't it? It would make a lot of sense that you now have it gives you some direction, gives you an idea of where they're going to be going. Um,
0: And that is another thing, really, like Mr. Yuan, how does he know? Same again with like, how did Iwao know that stuff was going to happen to leave Rio a letter? How did Mr. Yuan know that stuff was going to happen to leave his daughter a letter?
1: It's true, isn't it? I mean, bearing in mind as well that when Rio and Shenhua are walking towards Bailu Village, that's a two-day hike. So he's done that letter and been taken away by the... uh, Red, uh, the red um, red snakes at that point, or the blue spiders, handed him over to the red snakes rather, and mm-hmm. so something's been going down. But how did he know that something's going down?
0: And that's got to have happened within those days as well, because yeah. if you think Shemfar seen the, the the star, so she sensed trouble, and then when they get to the the stone pit of the quarry or whatever they, they call it in Shimmer 3. The, all the birds that she's expecting to hear, birds, they've, they've completely gone. So, yeah, so that's kind of like it's, it's recently, very recently happened. Mm.
1: It's a very interesting point as to how that's worked together. I'd like to see how they weave that in. Yeah, I think that's one of those sort of subplots, if you like, that weaves into the main lore.
0: And I think we will get there, won't we? Because that's where we're heading now. We're heading to the Cliff Temple. So if there is some treasure there, and it's spoken about in Shemo 3... That is one that we're definitely probably going to get a question, uh, an answer to.
1: Yeah, you'd hope, so. you'd hope
0: so. So, another point. I mean, we've just touched upon this. This is Qiu, a monster fruit. So, from what we're told by Master Chen, if Landy gets his hand on both mirrors, we will resurrect a, a mythological Chinese beast known as Qiu, which would devour the world. And that seems to be the ultimate goal for Landy and his organization, the Qiu Men. You know, literally naming themselves after the beast. Mm. So, I mean, whether or not it's a physical demon. That will appear remains to be seen. But what is if if we all are led to believe that this is gonna happen, you know, why would Landy want that to happen? You know, he, he's only after revenge, really, isn't he? And he, he's had revenge. So what is his motives now?
1: Yeah, and again, this feeds into sort of the things we've been talking about about before in terms of is there a relation to the emperor emperor and empress there? Yep. There's got to be a personal motivator going on beyond revenge for those mirrors. There has to be. It doesn't make sense for there not to be, especially with him being the organization chief, Men, as you say, have, yeah. have named themselves after that monster. Whether it's a monster or treasure, mm-hmm. there has to be an end goal for it.
0: Well, whether that could be the, you know, the twist, like Landy thinks he's getting the mirrors to unlock, I don't know, say a door that leads to a treasure, but in fact, it ends up being this this beast that you know. Destroys the world. Do you know what I mean? It's it's, yeah. like, it's. he thinks he's getting something that's going to make him filthy rich, perhaps, or you know, I, I don't know, make the Chiyu man the biggest rule of the land or whatever. And in fact, it, it backfires, and the treasure's actually a monster that could potentially kill Landy. I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, possibly. I mean, they could go any any sort of way with it. It'd be very interesting to see how it goes. But this will be, again, it'll get, it'll get answered hopefully as shown before.
0: So, Uh, just putting this little point in here, so this is a mysterious scroll that we find in uh, the dojo at Ryo's obviously at the Hazuki residence in the dojo there, there's a mysterious scroll and again this is like kind of like an easter egg I bet a lot of players didn't notice this especially on the first playthrough but if you look up at the it's like a scroll adorning the, the wall of the dojo and in fact if you do it early in the game if you look at the scroll, you know it actually triggers a, a childhood cut scene. So you have to look at it a second time Yeah, for for Rio to actually read the scroll. And I think he lifts it off the wall. Oh no, he doesn't. He can't reach it. So he says, um, you know, I can't reach it or something. And there's, there happens to be a little stool nearby. And then it, it then allows Rio, there's like a button prompt to press A and he drags the stool over, takes the scroll off and finds like a move scroll. And we've got, basically what the scroll says, that you have to get... See, again, this is like quite a long-winded thing. It's it's hidden away, really. I yeah. have to... At a particular part of the game, you have to ring up Warehouse 8, or the old Warehouse 8, where Master Chen and Guizang. But obviously, you ring in this number at a time that doesn't relate to the story. So yeah. Guizang answers and says, you know, yeah, come over. Uh, I need to have a chat with you kind of thing, or if you want to have a chat, come over. And I don't know, because there's, there's, there's another scroll that needs translating as well, like an actual move scroll. I forget the name of that, actually. but Stab Armor. Stab Armor, yeah. So I'm not sure if you've got the Stab Armor and the Mysterious Scroll, if the Stab Armor is the first thing to get translated. So then you'd need to know to, to ring the number again and go back a second time. So it, like I say, it's it's there's loads of layers that this is hidden. But we have a Mysterious Scroll, and we know for a fact that this Mysterious Scroll follows into Shemu 2, follows into Shemu 3 in Rio's inventory. So uh, if, if you want to read the translation of the scroll that Guizang tells yeah, us Yeah,
1: so Guizang translates this first and it's as follows. O fierce tiger, thou art ruler of the forest, the bravest of character. As tranquil as the most majestic of mountains, as swift as a bolt of lightning, as violent as an earthquake jolting the great earth, show no mercy with twin fan strike and rush up moon mountain striking fear in all narrate a soul challenge thee and it's it's the the idea of this is that the instruction for the move is within the poem so the master has has written that and i'm assuming a whale must have met this master to have this scroll
0: and we did mention um, why is a whale well hidden this you know yeah as significant as the mirrors it's hidden behind you know He's, he's <laughs> it's a bit like an Easter egg and He's uh, I mean, stuff everywhere.
1: The common theory is around this is it's going to be the move that takes down Landy. I'm going to throw a curveball at it and say it's part of Tiger Swallow style. Okay. Because of the because it's um, talking about a tiger. I know it's, it's it seems a bit of an obvious obvious link to make, but it's a link that could be conceivable.
0: What is depicted on the scroll that there is a tiger on the scroll, right? But there is
1: a tiger on the scroll, and then it shifts from left to right, and then you've got the writing for it. I don't think there's much else on it,
0: right? Okay, so the picture is a tiger, yeah. So
1: it makes sense what you're saying there, yeah. It could be conceivable. Twin, twin fang strike, I would assume, is a, yeah. I'm assuming again it could be a, a hand move of some description. I mean, the move that, um landy finishes a wow off is a sort of a double palm strike isn't it right so could... it's not not like the double blow though it's no it's yeah because it, it's almost looks like he's gonna release a hadouken at him actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know what you mean Yeah, um,
0: it is that kind of stance and style but then
1: he obviously and i'm just wondering if that could be could, could be related to it i'm guessing it's just me making this up as i go along i have no evidence to back it up i'm just thinking mm. twin fan strike 2 arm move, it could be that, yeah.
0: Two-handed move, and uh, uh, in fact, the fact that the Shemu one bad ending, Landy does it to Rio again. So it, it's like the it's the move to take out <laughs> people in one hit.
1: Yeah, it could be. It could be. It could be
0: as swift as a bolt of lightning, mm. as violent as an earthquake jolting the great earth.
1: It says show um, no mercy.
0: It's show no mercy. Yeah, I mean the poem. It kind of sounds like that, doesn't it? Strikes fear and all. You know, it, that day Wow was pretty much terrified. Once he was like, "No, it can't be you," kind of thing, and he yeah, it accepted his fate basically yeah. by that move. If that is the move, it could be. Could be. It's
1: An interesting. Thing. Anyway, we shall move on.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you say, I mean, it's not the most important thing, but it, it is still in his inventory. So it that's... seems like we would get an answer yeah, for it. So I'd
1: be, I'd be disappointed if we didn't.
0: Be a nice little touch. Hmm. I always think that that's nice. Where pick something up in the first game it's carried in his inventory for like four or five games and you get you get the answer in the fifth game yeah. i mean that no other series has got that kind of continuation feel there it's like it's crazy it's even like the, the things that you pick up on now in, in Shenmue 3 about the emperor and empress that you san or whoever it was that told you about the emperor in the first game the, those sort of connections and that's what i love about Shenmue, to be honest <laughs> Um, so yeah, let's move on. So we've got some big, major plot points now coming up. So Shenfao's parents. Whoa. So obviously she's got some real parents, and now she's got Mister Yuan, who's a kind of like an, an adopted father, who who she considers a father now because I think she was so young when her parents, so called, you know, passed away. Whatever. We're not we're not one hundred percent on who Shen Shenfoy's original parents are. But if you remember again at the end of Shenmue Two. They've literally just reached the Shenfo's house, and Rio looks up at this big, elegant cherry blossom tree that he knows is a cherry blossom tree. But as they look at it, Shenfo says, This is the Shenmue tree. And Rio's like, Shenmue tree. And, you know, that's that kind of like that moment where the player realizes that the whole series is named after this tree kind of thing. Yeah. So it's got real significance, this tree. And then uh, there's a flashback where. Chenpho is sort of swinging. We're led to believe it's Chenpho, anyway. Actually, as a baby child, she's swinging in this on a on a swing that's coming off the tree, and we're led to believe it's the same tree. And we did actually in our research debate whether or not the the flashback is a different tree. Yeah, but in the background of this flashback scene, is like a a big ornate Chinese temple. You know, going back probably centuries old. Or well perhaps not that long, but you know, decades and decades old, where if Chenfo is sixteen years old, she can't have been a baby at that time period, if you know what I mean. Doesn't doesn't kind of add up in the in the timeline of things, but we see this cutscene where there's a father and a mother, and they're both dressed elegantly, like, you know, potentially the emperor and empress could be, in these sort of regal clothing outside a, a big Chinese temple and Shen swinging, and um, the leaves are falling off this tree, and the the name of the child, and the mother thinks, well, why don't we call her Foah after after the, the leaf of the Shenmue tree? And then he's like, oh, that's a beautiful name. Yeah, we'll, we'll name her Shen Shenfua. So then that, that's the context for this character is Shen And the way the flashback shows, uh, they're both looking at the tree. There's a swing in present day off the same branch, and then the flashback goes, there's a swing off the same branch in those ancient times with the temple. So, you know, we put two and two together. That is Shen Foer as a child. And we're going to go into some crazy stuff now.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Basically, let me just go back to the, the notes that we've got. So we're not 100% on who Shen Foer's parents are, but they appear to be quite regal in the flashback scene. So potentially they could have even been the Emperor and Empress, which we just just mentioned. So, Mister Yuan is Shenhua's adoptive father. Took on this role after Shenhua's parents died when she was young. I think is does she she says that to Rio that her parents died when when she was young.
1: Yeah, she does. She mentions it to Rio. I think on the way to to Bailu Village, if I remember correctly.
0: Right. So Shenmu three. She's she she says this. You mean?
1: I mean, on the way to from Shenmu two when they were meeting Gui Oh, so. Right. Okay.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, so orphan again is a recurring theme. So you know Rio's orphan after his father died, and we're we're led to believe that his mother died when he was young too. So there's these like weird things going on with all these these parents dying. Basically, you've got Landy's father dying and probably his mother. You've got Shuing and Ziming, their parents dying. Fang Mei's an orphan. I think Joy's an orphan. You know, there's loads of orphan uh, things going on. Rio's an orphan now. Shenhua is an orphan. So it is a reoccurring theme. Whether it all relates is, you know, another story, but you can't deny it's a reoccurring theme.
1: No, it is a reoccurring theme. Shenhua's parents are, uh, are, the, are very, very interesting. I mean, looking at the notes we've got, we talk about the flashback. And you look at the buildings, actually, we did a bit of research around the buildings around 1910 in China. Yeah. And actually, the scenery they've set. In that Shenmue Two flashback, when Shenhua or one of Shenhua's relatives, whoever it is, yeah. um, is is there, it, it it actually fits the aesthetic of the nine around sort of the time period of nineteen ten.
0: So we know it's nineteen ten, or or we, we assume it's nineteen ten because of those scenes in Shenmu Three where Ryo looks at the photo of the the emperor and empress crossing the verdant bridge, you know, yeah, photo in the temple and the the lady. I forget her name, actually, the, the Temple I Lady. I can not remember
1: her name either, unfortunately. She
0: talks about it being 1910, I think, or perhaps Aldia. Or, you know, somewhat, someone mentions it being uh, back in 1910. Yeah. And obviously we get those flashbacks in Shenmue 3 with the, the, those same characters as, as children, witnessing the Emperor and Empress crossing this bridge. So it's very much that flashback is very much fitting in theme with the, the 1910 sort of era. So for Shenmue to be 16 years old in present day, which is 1987 at this point, would mean that this was 1971. Yeah, when she was born. So you know, there's a massive discrepancy there for this flashback of the the, the Chinese temple behind Shenmue as she's swinging as a child, and also obviously in present day, she's she's she doesn't look regal at all. She's just in like plain old robes and. This temple has become Shenhua's house, which is just a like a ransack sort of shed-looking <laughs> complex. I mean, it, it's it's a house, yeah, but it's not a, a Chinese ornate thing with like water and you know a big Chinese garden and stuff. So, how has that house gone from that to Shenhua's home if she's only sixteen years old?
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you say, you say that, and obviously Shenhua's age of is. Yeah, it wouldn't work for 1910 with her age, but we know that she has some sort of link to her relations. Mm-hmm. So one theory that I've sort of put out there, and again, I hope this is answered one way or the other, is actually that baby is a relative of Shenhua, possibly her mother.
0: And she's called her Shenhua as well, yeah, so that the names kind of continued.
1: Yeah, it's a, yeah, a continuing name through the family or something along those lines, which it could be. And then it sort of beg, it begs into question, obviously, how Shenha ended up in Bailu Village. Did yeah. did did the, did the family end up there? Did um because we know in one in the talk in the talk from um language Shan on the way to Bailu Village, in Shenmue too. Um, they talk about Bailu villages being hidden in the mountains deliberately, where the elders when they were you know being hunted. hmm So could that be part of the theme here? That later on down the line they go back to Bailu village, Shenhua's family go back to Bailu village because there's something going on. They've had to leave the they've had to leave the temple. It's strange if you think
0: because if, if Shenhua's parents are the Emperor and Empress, the way that that cutscene plays out with the flashbacks and people talking about what's happened, the emperor and empress come on this massive convoy to Baili village as though they've come from far away. So where Fu's house is in relation to Baili mm. village, it's like, you know, a five minute walk or whatever into, you know, it's a couple of minutes walk up this hill. So they wouldn't be sending a big convoy mm. that close really from the context of how they're saying, like they've, they've come, it's like a special event everyone you know witnessed the emperor and empress crossing the bridge kind of thing and the in fact they had the bridge made because it was such a special thing if they only live up the road <laughs> you know why it wouldn't be that important really i don't think but
1: no it, so they which leads it to your
0: theory actually that that tree might not be the same tree yeah
1: and it's again this is something we've been talking about is i think there's more than one shenmu tree now w- which they
0: do kind of mention don't they in the the, the uh, Verney Spring or whatever.
1: Yeah, they do. I mean, I don't know whether it's a translation error or whatever, but the Shenmue tree is, for what all intents purpose, a very large cherry tree, isn't it? Yep. So you've got Rio's got a cherry tree in his back garden. You've got the Shenmue tree outside of Shenhua's house. You've got the what is considered a cherry tree in in the spring in in Bailu Village, mm. where Rio's father trained. So there's a link there. You've got the tree yep. in the flashback. So for me, there is more than one Shenri tree and they're all linked in some way or form. And if
0: you think about when, when Rio and Shenfar are talking about the tree, the significance of the tree, Rio says he's got a tree like that back at home and he has that kind of feeling as well. And in fact, I think Shenfar says that she feels like the tree's sort of cuddling her. Like, yeah, that's it. I yeah. Exactly. We'd have to go through the notes again, which I might do actually just to make sure that we haven't missed anything, but. Rio says he's got that same sort of feeling with the tree back at his place. So is there a link that ties these trees together, you know, spiritually somehow, you, you know, these, these these reoccurring themes throughout the game that there's something unworldly going on and uh, the, the characters have got these feelings and attachments towards the mirrors, the trees, you know. Perhaps are we witnessing something that happened long ago that the characters have got the, the, you know, the spiritual, like, like you say, like Shenfau is an ancestor, or she's got links to her ancestors. Perhaps, you know, these trees are like the spirit of her ancestors, or you know, Rio's trees got the the spirit of some sort of ancestor, and it all kind of relates somehow. It's it's uh, it's hard to sort of, it's hard to wrap your head around. I mean, Shenfar as a whole is quite a simple plot. Like we, I said at the start of the thing, it's like a simple revenge premise. Really, but there's these real things that are going on that you just can't wrap your head around. It's, I don't know which way they're going to take it.
1: No, I don't. And again, because it all links together the, the Shenhua's parents, the tree, the flashback, the emperor and the empress, the dragon and the phoenix all links together into something very, very important to the story context as to what's going on, how we've ended up where we are today. What is Shenhua's lineage? What, Why is that so important? Because when you look at the early footage from Project Berkeley, etc., she's yep. intimated to have powers of some description. We know that she has powers in some respects because you see the scene with Yang Lang in Shenri 3. She lifts the dandelions in Shenmue 2. Um, she yep. she uh, shuts Ren up um, in Shen 3. Puts the sword
0: in the stone. <laughs> yeah,
1: and th- there's something going on there. Now, I know some of the sort of normal mystical magical elements may have been tapered back a tiny bit like the floating sword etc yeah but there has to be some sort of link here between Shenhua's lineage the trees the dragon the phoenix and 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 the emperor and the empress There there just has to be and as part of the wider revenge plot is that that has to feed into this bigger plot if you like and if it I, because Shenmue for me isn't just a simple revenge game. It starts off that way, but there's something far more, you know, far more grand going on here, and and that needs answering, I think.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, a lot of people are expecting. You know, people perhaps that are not really into Shenmue as much as we are. We're expecting Shenmue to be a trilogy, and they're expecting like in Shenmue three, Rio fights Landy, wins, and then you know that's the end of the game. But it's much, so much more than that. I don't think uh, a lot of those sort of people that were expecting Shenmue three to end uh, the series fully. Uh, you know they're not fully aware of all these plot points. Really, that they just they just couldn't fit into one more game. It, mm. it, it, it would feel rushed, hundred percent.
1: There's a lot there that's unanswered. So I'm just going
0: to quickly go through the notes just in case we missed something. So Rio first discovers the Shemu tree at the top of the mountain in Guile next to Shenmue's house. Shenmue says the tree is named Shamu, and we get a flashback scene where Shenmue was named by her parents after a leaf that falls from the tree. Shenmue. The swing. Uh, okay, so possible white leaf link. So we're going to touch upon the white leaf a little bit later, but I was thinking perhaps, I mean, I think it would have happened in Shenmu 3 if this was the reason, but the white leaf that we get from the Hazuki Dojo basement that's still fresh. It's been preserved somehow. And it's, you know, it's still, it, you know, it's not dried. It's, it's still a healthy leaf. Mm. I was thinking perhaps that's fallen from the Shemu tree at Shemfar's property. And that's ended up back in Iwao's. We'll get into it later when we talk about all the basement yeah. items, we've got a section on that. Um, but Iwao bought a lot of stuff back from China, it seems, as his treasures. And this, particular white leaf is one of them. So I was thinking there could be a possible link to the Shenmue tree there. So Rio and Shenfua both sent something from the tree. Rio mentions that this tree is where he... Uh, Rio mentions that there's a tree where he lives they call cherry blossoms, and that has a special meaning to him too. So again, the Shenfua flashback, we get a 1910 link that we know from Shenmue 3, where the Emperor and Empress commissioned two mirrors, the Phoenix and Dragon, and their banners, that we see them on the Envoy... Crossing the bridge of the crests of the the phoenix and dragon on, and we're told that the mirrors act as a treasure. the the king queen king queen what are we saying? Queen dynasty, king,
1: queen dynasty,
0: yeah, <laughs> king, king dynasty, which ended in nineteen twelve. So the dates do sort of add up. The temple looks very similar to that of that era, which we spoke about. So it seems like Shenfa's flashback is that of nineteen ten. That's where we came to that theory from. Shenfa is her own mother. I don't. I, don't <laughs> <laughs> I just made that note. I don't know. That's just. Basically, if she's sixteen in nineteen eighty-seven, you know, is she some some something weird? Could be like, you know, she's her own grandmother. You know, there's old sort of stories you hear. Um, so what happened to the temple that made Shenhua's house a shack in 1987? You know, it's got bridges, water, Chinese garden. So what happened there? So Shenhua's house, we get another flashback. She looks about eight years old and she's on the swing of the tree and it's the shack now, not the temple. So this is an interesting thing. So this was still in Shenmue 2. So we just mm. had the flashback where these are the temple in the background. And now she's a little bit older. Like we say, she looks about eight years old. And in fact, you know, it's, the, it's Chen Foir's house as we know it behind her, and she's still on the swing. So her mother and father aren't there anymore. You know, what's going on with this flashback, do you think?
1: I, I, I just wonder if it's she's playing into sig- the significance of the tree itself, yep. that she's playing under the tree. And like you say, it's that spiritual link to the to it.
0: Because mm-hmm. her outfit in this scene's a little bit more fancy, considering, it, you know, her house is the shack now. Not sure if her outfit was just, you know, just because she's a child and she's got to have a sort of a, a child garment that they went for that looks a bit more regal than what she wears in Shemutu, like robes.
1: I mean, could could I mean, this is again, this is just hearsay, but could that be a scene set very sort of soon after she's ended up in Bailey Village and lost her parents? Mm. Mm. Possibly, and it is a
0: different tree. Or oh, the tree thing is so. It's crazy, real because, like you say, that the temple it looks like a completely different location, but the tree looks the same, and they both got a swing on. So perhaps, maybe she she relocated. I don't know. After her parents died, and there's a very similar looking tree, mm. but the way that she words conversations, as though it's the same tree, and it's always held this special meaning to her. You know, as she feels as she's being held by the tree, like Cuddle, It's is she thinking of a mum and dad or or something?
1: It's possible, isn't it? It's possible. I. There's more to that, I think, than we know. Maybe we just banged on about trees and it's there's just, just a tree <laughs> there and that's the end of it sort of thing. It's just, just a tree, guys. Yeah. Get over it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't... That...
0: It is interesting, man. We've got here the trees date back to Shenfar's mm. grandfather as a child, which was already this big. She does mention that. She says this this tree's been fully grown for so long and thousands yeah. of years. Rio senses a spirit. Chen agrees. So same again. As a child, she felt like she was being held by the tree and the tree is watching and protecting. And Rio says, it feels like I've known that tree from a long time ago. It's a strange feeling. It's, it. it's, got, it's got, got to be more, isn't it? That tree has got to be more. There's
1: got to be more than one of them <laughs> somewhere.
0: Yeah. And she doesn't know how her parents died. So power-wise, you've you touched yeah. on this, dandelions, mind powers. She generates sparks when she touches Ryo. So we don't actually know what, what's going on with Shenfar herself, how she's related to her ancestors, the tree, how she's got these powers. We don't actually know. And despite all the conversation we have with Shenfar, we're, we're not the wiser. Rio never actually asks, you know, how can you lift dandelions? No,
1: I know. <laughs> you know.
0: I think he does ask in the second game, like how can you speak to animals or something? And she says, you know, as though it's like strange, like how, why would I not be able to speak to animals? uh, Oh, and possibly she does it again to Ren later. That's another little thing that's a hint at her powers. Ren suddenly changes his his, his tune with a a cross-looking (laughs) Shenhua. So let's move on, man. So I think we've done the tree and Shenhua and all that sort of stuff a little bit of justice there be interesting to see what everyone else thinks on all these points as we go through but again that's something else we we need answers for and yeah like Ezra says the Shemu tree is that something that could only have been answered in Bailu village possibly so uh, hopefully they can they can find a way of uh, resolving a lot of these plot points so Yandara himself so we know from Shemu 2 is tied in this whole saga somehow he, he wrote the Ling Shoe book that Ryo discovers in Mammo Temple Library. He knows about the mirrors enough that he knows he can blow smoke on them. Do you know what I mean? And he can show these stars. And he says, you you know, if you find the other one, you've got the map to the treasure. So he's involved in all of this somehow. If you want to go through this this little se- segment we've got on Zhu and Darman.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a funny old character, Zhu, because we don't know a lot about him. Master Chen obviously suggests Tao Li Shao is the link to Master uh, to Zhuang Na, but not a whole lot else goes on there until Rio arrives in Hong Kong. Um, Master Chen doesn't mention that Li Shao Tao is a woman, so Rio, Rio awkwardly assumes that Zhuang isn't her, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that, that, that makes him look a bit foolish, shall we say. Um, yeah. Then leads, obviously, to Rio meeting Ren, who forms at the Zoos in Kowloon. You sort of touched on this already, about the Ween issue book being written by Zhu and they've got the Chao sign in that book, and it confirms that um, Zhao Wing is a ch- the master of tiger swallow, and I have sort of made the point that I think there's more than one master of it kicking around somewhere. Yep. Um, Rio uses Chowan sign to come in contact with Zhang, who is one of his associates and Zhang gives Ria the snake tortoise key, which informs him that Zhu is in the ghost hall building, five-star corporation, which links... This is interesting. Links to the sort of heavenly beasts that we've sort of talked about as a reoccurring theme through Shenmue itself. So to access Zhu Yandar's room after you've... Where where he is, yeah. which
0: is weird. He's just sat there. Just sat there
1: chilling, <laughs> chilling yeah. out yeah. Um, after you've been through God knows how many planks and swearing and shouting because you've fallen off.
0: Um, it's some sort of sick, twisted mind game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I
1: don't quite know what they were thinking. Just to get to his room. And yeah. um, then Ren using the elevator. Was one of my favorite scenes ever where you're giving the look of death. <laughs> but I, yeah. I digress. So we get the, the snake tortoise key which is one of the four keys that you need to open up to get into the room, which the other three mm-hmm. are the Phoenix, the White Tiger, and the Blue Dragon. Ha, ha, ha. They are the, the mythical creatures of the Chinese mythology.
0: Yeah. It's just nice how it works out like that. So, it,
1: and they echo the, the sort of four-star clusters around Chinese mythology, around the North Star and everything yep. else around it. And there's some fake ones in there, sort of fish, goat, rooster, and wild bull. red herring. Yeah, we don't think
0: there are any significant to anything called it no.
1: Yuanda Zhu himself is is an old character. Like he knew uh Zhao Zhen Ming. He knew yeah. Uwau. He said they were best friends. Um mm. he had
0: He says that they he would never kill yeah. them as well. He he's he's one of the people, he's a few people that know Iw from back in the day, say like the 20 years ago when Iwau was in China. He obviously must have met Zhuy now at some point. He's met that blind guy, that Kai yeah. guy at some point who said you know, it's, he didn't realize Iwao was dead, never kill. He met the people in Bailu Village that said, you know, Iwao wasn't capable of murder. So that's like a kind of reoccurring theme as well.
1: It is. And I mean, he, but what Zoo does say is that he, he doesn't categorically know. So he's just going on a wild characteristics. Yeah. So that makes. It, yeah. And.
0: What then again, would he would he think that Zhao Suming was a, a bad character as well?
1: Well, you wouldn't have thought so, would you? Not no. from sort of the way it was framed at the time. And then you've got the sort of Zhu himself. We don't know what his motivations are. We don't know how he's become involved. How he's become to know them. He had a Hazuki um, gi in mm-hmm. in one of the in one of the closets where you find one of the um, one of the keys that you need. Yeah.
0: And that's where the white tiger key was, wasn't it?
1: Where, and what what's the link what is the link here yeah why is he involved i mean i know it's been spoken about in interviews that zoo there's more to him than we know and yuzuki has said that so he's an interesting character so like why does for example why does joe neo want him why do the Chi men want him um there's there's all sorts of Unanswered questions as to his to his long term involvement in this saga, in this story, and his involvement mm. in this. And obviously, he sh- he knows the um, trick of the light trick for the mirrors. How does he know this? Mm. Why does he know this? Who told you? Know, what what is his link around this? I, I I just sense that there is an untold story there. That as we progress to the cliff temple and possibly beyond, I don't. I think we will see him again somewhere. Uh, there's just a, there's a niggle that needs answering around him. See the only way I can be, describe it.
0: might be difficult for him to get to the Cliff Temple in a wheelchair, though. But... <laughs> oh,
1: that's right, he's got subordinates to do that for him.
0: Yeah, that's true, yeah. And um, well, I was, I was going to mention, I did, didn't want to get into this stuff, but in those chapter tiles that we saw back in that GDC conference, there is a tile with Zuyandar, what looks like Zuyandar anyway, and there's like some twins sort of sitting around mm. like little girls. So I'm not sure if that's anything to, that that's a sign that we may see him again in the future, is what it's, I
1: mean. It's possible, it's certainly possible, and there's got to be more to mm-hmm. him because
0: And obviously we got that DLC with Zhang again. So
1: Yeah, which I mean that was a nice little bit of DLC and it just makes you it begs the question, it's a small question, why <clears throat> why is Zhang in the owl Why and is is he are they following Rhea? Are they keeping tabs on him? Just a question.
0: Quality. Okay, so I think we've touched upon a lot of the major plot points there that I think they are going to get answered. We hope that these sort of things are going to get answered. Next up, we're going to go into some of the minor things that, as big Shemu fans, would be nice to get answers to, resolutions to. But first, we're going to play a piece of music from Shemu 3. This is Peddler. Okay, that was a a track from Shamu 3 called Peddler. Nice little track there, just to break up this discussion. And like I say, next up, we're going to go into some minor things now that we're going to look at, actually, some of the items that you discover along the way. So we're going to start with the basement first. So as Ryo enters the basement, after you you find the light source and all that sort of stuff to to, to be able to fully explore the room, and before you find the Phoenix Mirror... If you really dig deep into all these items here, uh, we've uh, created a, a list of all the, the different items on here that kind of the theme is that they're China treasures that are wow well probably picked up and brought back from China.
1: Yeah. Right. So let's go through the list that we've got. So we've got the stab armor, which is the Chinese move that Guizhang um, mm-hmm. translates for you. And it after you translates,
0: in... you can use it. Is that right?
1: Yeah, you can use okay. it and you can train it and all the rest of it. It carries over in Shenmue 2 and it's also in Shenmue 3, which is quite nice. Brilliant. Um, beyond that, there's probably no more significant relevance, but it's a nice little touch. Um, you've got the Chinese zodiac signs book where the white leaf falls out of. Yeah. And we, we've already sort of touched on this about whether it could be one of the Shenmue tree leaves or something else.
0: Yeah. Interesting item and that's still again in Shadow 3's inventory.
1: It is it's there. It's there at the start of the game. Is there
0: some significance still or is it just you know it could just be this kind of thing where as fans we kind of want an answer for but it could just be just a token just something that Rio's found picked up and it's just a bit of a memento just something that just just stays in your inventory but doesn't really uh, serve a purpose.
1: Yeah and it could also it could be a symbol of something but it's it's an interesting point one way or the other um yep. you've got the elixir of eternal youth um <laughs>
0: I wrote this little <laughs> bit of a theory that you're going to read in a minute so Rio's
1: father told him it was used by martial expert martial arts experts in China
0: so yeah so when you look at it that's what Rio says he says my father told me that this was used by martial arts experts in China which is weird that it's called elixir of eternal youth so I I then just put some question marks next to a couple of things. So Shenwei, could she have used this eternal leaf thing, or did you know? Is that how she stays forever sixteen? It <laughs> could be from nineteen ten. Possibly. Be. I don't know if this this is a such a massive tie uh, from finding the sign in the basement because you don't keep it in your inventory. It's just just a, a fan theory kind of thing. Or the white leaf. So the white leaf itself. It's not dry. It's still fresh. Has you know, could some of this elixir gotten onto a leaf <laughs> and it's kept it eternally youthful? Uh, are they just crazy theories?
1: Possibly, but it's all good fun to speculate, isn't it? With it, yeah. So then you've got the trunk, and what you've got inside is the white training garments or geese similar to what a wow wears, yeah. And there's a photo on top with a wow and a man that we later find out to be Zhao Min Langdi's father. So that's where we get the photo from, so yeah. That's where we get the photo from, and we know that we know. F- for full well, that is really, really important.
0: Does, uh, I can't remember, does Rio say something when he picks that up? Like, oh, this is my father. He, he
1: says something Oh, like, like, This is his father when he was young. Who's that man with him?
0: Yeah. And I think if you turn the photo around, it says something on the back. Like...
1: does, I think, but I can't remember what it says. I don't know
0: if it mentions his by name. I can't remember exactly, actually. That's one thing that probably should have made a note on. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Never mind. We'll be all right. Um... There's an unusual amulet amulet that says good luck. Actually, unusual shape, hinting at it being Chinese. Could it have come from Bailu or Menkun, mm-hmm. for example? Just as a as a point, you've got the you've got the talisman as well, which that's
0: on the side of the shelving that Rio moves. And, yeah, uh, I think if you look at it, Rio makes a comment that it seems to be sealed. So obviously, we did look into a little bit about Tao and. Um, talismans and that sort of stuff where they kind of they seal it it's like a spirit or, or, or of some sorts can you remember what we found out about that
2: yeah
1: i think it's, it's it's a spirit it's also a point it's like a guide almost talisman guide there it's a point of reference So it's there for a purpose um so it was obviously just one of those things that i think if you're deliberately looking for something it's, it's your guide isn't it it's a point to get you in the right direction I think and obviously you you move the shelf, you find a Phoenix mirror, and then all hell breaks loose from there.
0: Yeah, so Lan uh Iwau could have put that onto the side of that cupboard as like a you know, this is a significant this is yeah <laughs> a hint at where the mirror is kind of You
1: thing. may you may want to look over here sort of thing. Yeah. Um we find like the elegant comb which is Chinese and we sort of wonder who's used it and there's we were sort of speculating a little bit that Rio's mother could have used it. Mm. it's definitely it's definitely come from China
0: it's for a female person isn't it it's like yeah. a, a female lady's comb and for it to be in a wows possession you know it's a bit of an unusual item so yeah, yeah. Could, could have could have been Rio's mother or you know someone perhaps from China mm. I don't know
1: yeah quite possibly you've got then sort of following on from that you've got an eagle ornament and Rio sort of quotes from his father even a starving eagle never steals never cheat even during a struggle which is a sort of it resonates, I suppose, into Rio's character that he's quite straight up. He he doesn't look for an easy way out. He tends to sort of confront things head on. I think that's part yeah. of his character, which is quite nice. Mm-hmm. And then the last bit that we've got here is the long scroll, which is "all good deeds shall be rewarded." And that's we're we're speculating whether that was written by a wow. Could he have brought it back from China, or could yeah, it could have even been something he sort of um abided Hmm. by in his in his youth and and got a scroll made of it so there's
0: yeah could be some significance there all good deeds shall be rewarded
1: and i mean you suppose you think about it with rio actually you look at the theme that all good deeds shall be rewarded obviously rio has that fight with charlie and his thugs and he saves a little boy doesn't he who then the the, the reward from that is his grandmother helps him with the letter to master chen
0: yeah yeah it's a good Um, good example of that in play
1: it, yeah, so that's that's one point, and I know it's before we find this, but it's it's the sort of part of the theme, I think. Mm. But yeah, and then Very good. That's 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 Rio's basement covered,
0: pretty much. Yeah. So out of those items, the only one that he actually carries with him, like we said, is the well, obviously the stab armor, but also the the white leaf. Yeah. So, out of all those items, perhaps the white leaf has more significance than the others. The others could have just been like just extra little things they added for a little bit of lore, um, and not really to be thought of as 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 much as we probably have just. But I mean, like the white leaf must hold some sort of significance. It's still in Rio's inventory, so that's a yeah. question that we would like answered, if possible. Definitely. All right. So, moving on. So we do We've called the Hazuki dojo. Items. There's a similar sort of thing going on in Shenpho's house with like a lot of items that have been sort of kept and maintained from you know throughout the years by her father. While well, Misty Wan, we're led to believe it's that that's the the guy that's got all these sort of treasures, as it were, in in Shenfo's house. If you want to run through them,
1: yeah. So you start off with the flute made from the Shenry branch. Uh, made by Shenhua's father, Mr Yuan, and the music from the flute always made Shenhua stop crying as a child. So it feeds into that sort of lore around the, the tree being comforting, give, you know, feeling like it's looking after you. Yeah. Um, and it's quite a nice touch, actually. It's the Shen made from a branch from the tree, so it's quite nice. you then got the stalakite uh, rock formation ornament, and Shenhua says her father hears voices from the stone. I'm Led to believe, although I haven't got any proof, that it's probably Phantom Riverstone.
0: Yeah, you'd you'd think, wouldn't you? It's 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 a formation from the stone pit. You'd think like he's just because when you're in the stone pit, there's like loads of these stalactites and stalactites or whatever they're called, where they're just hanging from the, you know, the ceiling of the cave, and yeah, it just looks like a cluster of that have been ripped off and created into a bit of an ornament, and and that that would add up to why she hears a father because a father's always in the stone pit
1: yeah it would it would work quite quite nicely mm-hmm. so there's it's quite a nice touch there then the next one is the tapestry of luang which depicts the city this is a big one yeah yeah flourished during the tang dynasty which gives Shen ha sort has of a nostalgic feeling despite having never been there mm. she says you can mentioned see it.
0: this a little bit with Ezra as well
1: yeah and she says that she can see it when she closes her eyes and the landscape of the city and the people bustling by mm. now the tapestry disappeared in Shenri 3 but she makes reference to a big city in Shenmue 3 in her dreams. She says she has vivid dreams where she's in the city where the Emperor wants to live long ago and her father and mother stand before her. She'd only yep. just been born and they say her name, which sounds like a little bit of a retelling of the sequence in Shenmue 2 as she's a baby in the mm-hmm. cradle of the tree. So I would hazard a guess that this is going to be some role going forward. Whether Luang is mentioned by name is another question, because I know they had to make changes to Shenmue 3 to get it released in China, which yeah, I don't well, think we, actually we, ever happened. <laughs> well, we
0: that's true, yeah. But we, we've spoken about this before. It's like, it feels like, only with Shenmue 3, that they had a bit of, like, some sort of licensing issues, which yeah. is strange for place names, because obviously they've used, throughout the series, you've got Yokosuka, from Shenmue 1, you know, an actual street, Dubwita Street.
2: Mm. And in
0: fact, you know, the, the people that work on Dubuita Street in real life are actually really, you know, doing a lot of Shenmue stuff <laughs> themselves, aren't they? But then in Shenmue 2, you've got real locations. You've got Hong Kong, you've got Aberdeen, which is a real place in Hong Kong, yeah. I'm led to believe. You've got Wan Chai, which I is are. a real place. Yeah. You've got Kowloon, real. that's a real place. You've got Guilin, that's a real place. And it's only really, I know Bailu Village was mentioned at the end of Shenmue 2, and that was like probably the first made-up location, as it were. But then Shemu 3 comes along, and perhaps they mention China as the name of the country, like Chinese China, but actual place names they completely get rid of, don't they? Because you've got Niawu, which is isn't made, an actual it's made place. Up. It's a made-up place. Uh we all, you know, Bailu Village is already a made-up location. But then they've taken away, they've taken away Liuang tapestry and replaced it with you know just a placeholder thing but they still mention that city they just can't mention it by name for some reason there's like a weird licensing it was just something yeah. going on you can't be licensing but it's it is like a don't speak of Chinese towns <laughs> ever again I
1: sus- I suspect if I had to put money on it that that in order to get it released in China they had to make some some changes around mm. some bits and pieces. They do and, still mention Guilin, though, don't they? I, I, yeah, I, don't know. I mean, Guilin's an area, isn't it? It's not specific. Mm. So it's maybe they wanted Something to, weird happening. Yeah, maybe they wanted to change it so it wasn't too specific to points in China. I, I don't know. But I suspect we will end up in Nuang. And
0: And when you mentioned what Shenfa says about Yuang, Ezra said that that does sound like, you know, that is a capital. That is. Yeah. You know, sounds like the place that she's talking about basically even though she doesn't mention it by name and so yeah it's, it does sound like that this is still in Yu Suzuki's thoughts
1: depends how they play it, I suppose doesn't it going forward I think it will it will crop up but I don't think I'll mention it by name
0: I mean that's an interesting point there she says she has vivid dreams where she is in the city where the emperor once lived long ago and you know her father and mother stand before her so she's She's actually split them apart, really. She's she says she's she's got vision, vivid dreams where she's in a city where the emperor mm-hmm. once lived, but she doesn't, she doesn't connect emperor and her father together. If you know what I mean, so if her father was the emperor, she might not know about that. But she's saying where the emperor once lived, and her father and mother stand before her. So you know that's that's a weird sort of thing, but maybe maybe she she doesn't. Maybe she doesn't know her father and mother used to be emperor and Empress, but that's the connection there she she knows that's a city where the emperor once lived and her father and mother are standing over you know it's like a weird thing uh, <laughs> she hasn't put two and two together kind of thing it could
1: possibly go that way and i I would hazard a guess that Liuang is where she has that flashback for Shenmu in Shenmu too um, where where exactly the baby. yeah. I would put money, I'd put some money Cause it. Because it says she's only just mm. been
0: born and they say her name. So it, it does sound like a retelling of that flashback yeah, scene. She's
1: quite nice, actually. They've kept that sort of recurring theme, actually. Yeah. But...
0: So if you were to take that as gospel, then that temple in the background of the flashback with the Shenmue tree, where she's in the cra- cradle with the, the swing, that's Liu Wang.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you, you could draw a reasonable conclusion from the evidence that we've talked through that that could be the case, I I would think. I think that's on on a solid footing. Um, the next one is the book on constellations. The Xingzhu Z- are explained, and they are stars that affect the effect uh, the fate of people. And the Big Dipper is one of them. Mm. Mm, which
0: the North Star is said to be the harbinger of death.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. And when the star flickers, something bad has happened, which we know.
0: Yeah, she noticed that the Big Dipper. Yeah. and had a bad feeling about the previous night. So yeah. So it's
1: very interesting all in, all in the stars um, and we talked about the constellations and the dragon the phoenix being the protector of the north star and all of that so it all links together quite quite well it's very very well written these bits actually i will say that yeah um we throwing things around the next the next thing we've got is a painting of the mountains in guilin Shenhua says the mountains are said to be scary nobody goes there anymore and any that have travelled have never ever returned uh, now this was removed in Shenmue 3 um, in the place of it is a painting of a phoenix so hmm. there is a point whether it's relevant now or not whether it's been retconned or whether actually the mountains could be where the cliff temple are and they've just moved on moved that away to the scroll possibly I don't know but yeah it's interesting I... Or it
0: could just be the the, the mountains that Rio and Shenwei had to pass to get to Bailu Village, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, because she was saying how, how dangerous they were and these wolves and that sort of stuff. But then again, having said that, she's travelled to and from Bailu Village to uh, Languishan yeah, many yeah. times. We're led to believe, and the, also these those bits where these the landslides, and she says that the residents from Bailu Village head to fix them kind mm. of thing. So, yeah, it can't be those mountains no. if you think about it like that.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. I, I suspect it's probably been retconned and that's yeah. that's now gone, unfortunately. But who knows? Mm. This next one's an interesting one. Shenmue 2, you see the diagram for the dragon, the phoenix mirror designs. So that's where Rios almost has his what's-the-hell moment when he sees those, mm. um, the, the plans when he's looking through Mr. Yuan's room. Yeah, And it then triggers a cut scene where Rio's like, we need to ask your father about this. And then she says, oh, he's at work in the pit. We'll go there tomorrow. Um, however, we don't see them in Shenmue 3. And, that, and I mean, the room isn't accessible because it's now Shenhua's room. So you end up sleeping in her father's room. But the plans aren't there. It's really, yeah. I, I don't know why they're not there.
0: I don't know what decision they made to sort of section off that room that you could never enter again mm. because in Shemu 2 that's where rio actually sleeps in the same room as Shemfar. so whether there's some sort of i don't know did you mention previously about Shemfar being a minor or something so the they kind of make, perhaps they gave rio his own room so it's
1: yeah some sort of, Poss- I don't know. possibly for, to to sort of play things safe i know you get pulled up on a lot of things these days but mm. yeah it could could well have been a factor that came into it um, we don't know but we never see the plans again which I find is a bit weird considering the significance of the mirrors overall
0: yeah and especially after they've been to the stone pit they could come back to the house and properly check through yeah. Shenmue's father's items for clues or whatever they no, instead it, they just go on this, this sort of wild goose chase of trying to find a father and, and 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 actually at the end of Shenmue 2 I don't know if you felt the same but the way the the letter was written, as though a father died. It's it's you know it sounded like
1: yeah it sounded you, you're
0: never going to see it again. So perhaps that was a change in the script that in Shemu three, perhaps you know he hasn't died and the 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 whole motive of the story at that point is to find a father. I don't know.
1: Possibly, and we know things have changed over the years, haven't they? Because of yeah budget and ideas and time and all the rest of it. So. But given given the importance of the mirrors, I was a little bit surprised we didn't see those again. But they did recap, obviously, in the opening scene the the, the, the cave. So maybe yeah. they felt they didn't need to. Possibly, I who knows? Who knows? I'd love to. I'd love to ask. Um, maybe that's an interview for for another day. <laughs>
0: Perhaps you're working up to that. Yeah, <laughs> working my way through Suzuki right at the end. yeah. <laughs> which. Uh, so that leads us nicely into talking about Shemu Three now, just to to end off the questions with. So we've got a list of the key items in Rio's inventory at the end of Shemu Three. So if if I assume everyone's listening to this has already played Shemu Three by now, you yeah? know it's been out for coming up to two years in November. Yeah,
1: so if you haven't done
0: um, t- <laughs> so exactly. Yeah, and we've spo- I spoiled it even at the end of bloody first episode. So <laughs> so this is a list of everything that Rio has in his inventory at the end of Shamu 3. So this is stuff that we're expecting to follow into Shamu 4. Uh, again, feel free to to read through this list. Mon. Yeah.
1: So you start off with the handguard.
0: Yeah. That's followed him since the first game.
1: Yeah. You've got the Phoenix mirror had disappeared, but obviously now Niausen's got it, but it was there. So that's followed him all the way, all the way through. Yeah. Um, Two things that we have lost. Uh, we lost the Chen intro letter. Oh, okay. And we lost the letter to father, interestingly enough. So I guess
0: that's not really an issue. That, those are just perhaps the letter to father is. But, I mean, the, the Chen intro letter is like, go see... It's been and gone, hasn't it? Tao Li Shao or whatever. So that, you know, we've done that. So there's no significance in that letter anymore, you, really.
1: No, probably not, actually, the more, I think, about it.
0: And potentially letter to father as well. What was that? Was that saying seek the aid of Master Chen? So again, yeah, that, that's a story element that's been and gone. So
1: yeah, it's been it's been done and dusted, hasn't it? Yeah. Um So then you've got Nozomi's amulet, which obviously is the cutscene in Shenmue 1 and is quite quite relevant. I think it's quite a nice touch that it's still there because it's sort of a reminder of home for Rio and Nozomi.
0: It's kind of what I was saying with the white leaf. It, it, it might not serve a purpose. It might just be a little bit of a memento like a Nozomi's mm-hmm. amulet. It's not going to serve a purpose as such. It's just you look at it and it's like, oh, Nozomi gave me that for good luck kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And you've got the Heaven's Lighter and the, the coins that Ren gives you as sort of a memento. They're still there. Obviously, you could, you bump into Ren later on in the game anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the Chow the sign paper, which, um, if you've played the DLC for Shenry 3, you do end up using again. So there's obviously some relevance there. Yep. The next thing you've got is the, the collection of photos. you've got a Wow and um, Zhao. You've got the picture of the Hazuki the Dojo, Inesan. Oh, wow, Fukusan, Rio. You've got the photo of friends. Yep. You've got the photo of Rio Nozomi, the photo of Zhuing and the guys at the temple, and you've got the photo of um, Rio and Joy. Yes. So they're all sort of there as little mementos. I don't think that they have massive story implications, but they've carried on, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Then we've the next two we sort of touched on already in more detail. We've got the white leaf. Which we've spoken about quite a lot, and we've got yep. a mysterious scroll there still there, so I suspect there's there's some relevance there.
0: And the, the half of the amulet, the yin and yang yep. amulet. Yep.
1: yep. we've got that again, which we've we've sort of touched on. There's yep. got to got to be something there. If please, there has to be. <laughs> um you've got the um ema from OWAW, for uh, for Rio's mother, which he takes on with him. Um oddly you get a random move from the temple um in Niawu, where which has been trashed by the red snakes, the first one that you go to, mm-hmm. um, you get a Thunder Palm move. I don't know what relevance that has to the story or anything, but it's there. It's something you get given. Is that the one um,
0: that it kind of makes out as though Iwao left it there or something?
1: Yeah, because there's some writing on the back of it, and I can't yeah. remember what it says. The, the guys on the forums would have probably looked at it and translated it. So if anybody's listening to this, who can can quickly remind us what that is. You need to actually it.
0: learn this move. It's just something that's it's just in your inventory. Do you know
1: what? I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. I can't remember. I really can't. I'll have to have a look. Yeah. Um, the next thing you've got is the Lu- Luau Shau Shrine Amulet from Shilling. She gives you that. For, that's the, the lady um, with the broom. Yeah, helps, broom helps out.
0: You out know, with the old temple where she's whacking <laughs> the people with the broom. <laughs> just in case you want to And then, then
1: you've got the reverse body check. Okay. Um, and actually, one thing I'm going to mention moves-wise that you have lost, you've lost Demon's Triangle, mm. which was taught at the end of Shenmue. Um, and what to... about the,
0: the move from Bailu Village? The, not you the reverse get, you, body check. The...
1: the body check. You don't get a scroll because he just teaches right. it to okay. him, don't okay. you? Fair enough. Oh, and so that's, that's the one that, that
0: you buy with the 5,000 yuan or whatever.
1: Yeah. yeah, and then the thing you don't have any more, and we're assuming this has been left in Baili village in the bell tower. Is the sort of seven stars, which is now more of a dagger, but we'll, yeah. Uh, yeah. we'll leave that there. So that's the inventory for Shenmue 3. And it sort yes. of takes us on to yes. our next in- inventory,
0: uh, inventory wise. You know, it's interesting just some of the items that have stayed there from you know from the first game even. Um, yeah, so we'll see if any of them actually have a, a, an end game use, as it were.
1: So then, it sort of feeds us into what we've found out from Shenmue 3.
2: Yeah.
0: So these are the story points that we know from Shenmue 3. Yeah. Still need an answer, kind of thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so you've got the Verdant Bridge, which is constructed in Bailu Village in 1910 from the Imperial Envoy's arrival. Yeah. Uh, who they requested the best stone mason of the village, Mr. Yuan, who we think is probably his grand um, adopted grandfather essentially and they create the two Phantom Stone um Phantom River Stone mirrors and at the end of state at the end of the game that something so terrible happened because of the mirrors my family created when you're on the boat with Mr. Yuan after raiding the castle. Mm -hmm. So it feeds into then there's got to be some significance to the mirrors. Yeah. And that family and that lineage and that needs answering immediately. Um, the next cool. bit we've got is the uh, Cliff Temple is depicted on the scroll that Ryo Shenhai find in the bao Tower, and we know that's where they're going mm-hmm. at the end of Shenmue 3. They're off there on the way to the Cliff Temple, and it is intimated that's where the treasure is by Aldi Ye. And it's also intimated by Mr. Yuan that Landy's on his way there. Quite how he knows he's on his way there, um, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, that's not really spoken about, is it? It's... Um... See, for all we know, as a player, Landy could have died in the fire. <laughs> Niaosun sets that fire of the old castle, and the last thing we see of Landy is him staring at the open window where Ren's throwing the mirror or the fake mirror. Yeah. Uh, so we don't actually know what what how Landy if he survives or not. But apparently, Misty One does. <laughs>
1: I mean, Landy will survive. I think it's just yeah. the way the way of the story, isn't it? But I, yeah, there's not a lot of context to it. And I hope, I'd hope i hope, like we've discussed this before, actually, at the start of Shenmue 4, if they just filled in some of those gaps, mm. I think it'd do everybody the world of good pushing that story forward. Yeah. Um, but we, we've discussed that and we can move on from it. But if anybody's listening, please do it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Next is we we talk about Landy, and we've talked about a bit a bit about this earlier on. Is that he was taken into the Chiyu Men as a child? So there's questions around whether he's been manipulated. What did he see in terms of his mm-hmm. father's death? What does he know about his father's death? What does he know about the mirrors? All of those questions are there and, and, and to be answered as well. Um, probably one of the main plot points here actually is that now Nielsen has the Phoenix Mirror. Yeah. And she's wrestling for power in the two men by basically trying to murder Landy and burning down the castle with him in it. Now, does she know that Landy has the dragon mirror?
0: I mean, you'd think not. Otherwise, she'd have took it while she had the chance. You know, Landy's quite vulnerable in the fire there. Uh, and, you know, if the work oh, were previously working together... You know, she could have manipulated him, got the mirror off him. I am not sure. You know, now now she's got the Phoenix mirror. You know, luckily they don't seem to be working together. She's she's set Landy up, as it were, so that she can have power of the Chiyu men. And then in that case, if there is some sort of mystical beast thing that's gonna is gonna devour the world, you know, currently both of these characters aren't working together and the they're, they're kind of split apart at the moment. We don't know where Neo Sun's actually headed off to and if, you know, we're led to believe that Landy's heading to the cliff temple, you know, is Niausun heading there too? We, we're not 100% at the moment.
1: No, and also bear in mind, we we give Landy a fake Phoenix mirror. Now, I'm assuming he's chased after it as Ren's launched it out the window.
0: Possibly, unless he realised there and then it's a fake. I, I, he just looks a bit gobsmacked, he's, he's staring out the window and Rio and Ren just escape and landy's canon on the right the wise really no, and then the, <laughs> so the next
1: question that sort of comes out of this is landy has the um dragon mirror is he even aware of a yeah. phoenix mirror until that
0: point it's weird because we have mentioned this before like rio first seeing chai again in biley village there's no real expression there for chai being how was chai still alive but if you think about it, Chai knows that Rio's got the Phoenix Mirror. So if he's still working for Landi and Bailu Village, he's trying to hunt down the Phoenix Mirror with these uh, blue spiders who are ransacking mm. all the, the villagers to try and find the Phoenix Mirror. Chai himself knows that Rio's got the Phoenix Mirror. So again, unless that's just a a mistake, a bit of a an oversight, but you know, perhaps Chai isn't working with Landy anymore. I don't know.
1: You don't know, do you? It's it's an interesting concept there as to what's going on and what landy actually knows
0: unless chai's not told landy and he wants to get the mirror and then he's going to tell landy so he gets like oh you've done an amazing job you know
1: yeah possibly
0: because that's what he wants and shemmy one entity wants the appreciation of landy he wants to get the phoenix mirror to
1: work for him so yeah that would yeah exactly would make sense although quite why you wouldn't tell somebody there's a second mirror i need to find it (laughs) Yeah, um, but anyway, that's me being a bit nitpicky, if anything. Um, mm-hmm. So then, the next sort of point we've got in our notes here is that we've sort of touched on this about whether Landy may have witnessed his father's death and how it happened, and why he'd have that that much hatred to seek revenge on a well, Or like we say, has he been manipulated? Has Neo San, Neo, of manipulated him in seeking power as well to take over the Chu men?
0: Yeah, that that's an interesting point. She might have like convinced him that Iwao's killed his father even after all of this. You know, maybe he didn't realise who it was at the time. He's just he's he's been trying to find out who killed his father himself, you know, and, and training at the same time. And, you know, perhaps Niao Niao's son knowing that about the mirrors, iwao has got the mirrors. Maybe she's manipulated him to believe that Iwao's the one that killed his father, and then he's gone across, killed Iwao, brought back the mirror. Basically, back to Sun, as it were. You know, there is a a little bit of a motive there, actually.
1: Yeah, there is. There's something not all speculation. Yeah, points. there's something not right there in terms of what they're going to be doing, why, how. So,
0: again, Sun, it doesn't seem like she knows Rio's got the Phoenix Mirror. So both Sun and Landy don't really assume that he's holding the the Phoenix Mirror. But then, oh, actually, sorry, sorry, Sun does. Uh, we're not sure how he learns that, though. No,
1: we don't. um how she learns that. I mean, has she has she tortured Shenhua to get it out of her? We, we don't know. Again, this is where I think we could have done with a bit of context around how she knew, because obviously she she disguises herself as that other woman, doesn't she? So could there yeah. have been more scenes around that that she starts to trust Rio? Rio starts to trust her? And then, like, I know the mirror comes out somewhere. and Yeah, just some context would have been really helpful, I think. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about the end of the game. They're obviously on the cliff temple and they've all got their own motives. Ren is after his treasure. Rio wants his revenge and is chasing Mandy. And then you've got Shen ha seemingly is trying to follow the prophecy, whatever that ends up being.
2: Hmm.
0: So that brings us to the conclusion really of Shenmue 3 and everything that we know up to that point, really. So it's where they're going to take the game going forward now if we literally just continue straight from that that wall heading to the cliff temple with you know none the wiser, or, or perhaps they, like we've mentioned before they can bring it back and just fill in a few gaps for the the player just uh just to catch up with all these little story elements and stuff that you know a lot of people probably aren't completely aware of i would say but hopefully we brought light to a lot of these points
1: i think yeah i hope we have and what so in a, as a summary in terms of the story content that yeah, we certainly feel the next Shenry need to answer we need yeah, we need to know about Zhao um and oh, wow we need to know about the, the origins of the mirrors and that their the motivations behind it we need to know about Lan Di and why he's sought revenge we need to know about the chi men and the, the 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 civil war that's going on there mm-hmm. we need to know about Shenhua's lineage and also we need to know about the Zimming and Zhuing story arc. Yeah, that needs resolving. Yeah. So those those are the things I think are really, really important in Shenmue 4. And possibly five, depending on on what happens. Yeah. Um, but we 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 need to start getting those answers, I think, to drive drive the story forward now.
0: And actually with the anime that's just around the corner next year now that we learned some of these story points could actually be revisited or even some new ones perhaps intertwined that could be relayed then back into future games too Mm. with Chikara Sakurai and some different writers tackling the story here. You know, this could perhaps breathe a little bit of life back into some of Shemu's deeper lore, which we just explored.
1: Yeah, possibly. Yeah. So
0: basically what we did before we, we came up with this, this concept for the, this episode, we, uh, well, you actually left a topic on the Shemo Doja Forms, uh, which we we kind of requested people's input into this particular topic and trying to gain some sort of questions that, you know, people want answering from the series that we might not have touched upon just. So before we get into that, am just going to have a quick break. We're going to Play a piece of music, and then we're going to get into the last little segment of this particular episode. And I'm going to play a piece of music from Shemu Three. This is uh, as you're entering the old castle, the Landy's room kind of music. So this is called "Reap the Whirlwind." Okay, so that was Reap the Whirlwind from Shemu 3. And like I say, we're going to go into some forum questions now. So we wanted to... Obviously, this is a, a podcast from the team here at Shemu Dojo, Shemu Dojo Show. Obviously, there's a clue in the name there. So we want to kind of get a bit of fan interaction from the forums, uh, which is why we did this topic. So we've got... And we're going to go through each of the people that left replies to the topic. Uh, I'll, I'll do one, then you do one, yeah?
1: Yeah, Quali.
0: So first up, we've got Surgy Nest. Uh, who says, for me, following the events and revelations we got from Shemu 3, it would be natural for Shemu 4 to reveal what really happened between Owao and Zhao Sun Ming. Following that, Shemu 4 could also expand upon the origin of the mirrors and what happened for them to be locked away at the Cliff Temple stuff we talked about. Another thing that Shenmue 4 can do is start to reveal Shenmue past now that her adoptive father Yuan has been rescued from the Chiyu Men. I would also think it would be nice for Rio to meet in Shenmue 4, the master that wrote the poem in the mysterious scroll that Rio found in the Hazuki Dojo. Yeah so these are like people that share the same sort of sentiments as us kind of thing.
1: Yeah very much so and I think that's, that's echoed throughout a lot of these posts actually. So the next one is from um, Revan and his is Slightly different, actually, because he's saying his aunt, and is anywhere as important as the core mysteries like Shen ha's lineage, the mirror's treasure, Ziming, Zhao's death, which would actually, yeah, he's saying would take precedence in being addressed for the story to be reaching a satisfying conclusion. Completely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does wonder if his will be explored at the end. Um, and he's saying the series keeps bangers over the head with the fact that Rio has no time for women. Point taken and proven. (laughs) Um, If romance were not important to a story like Shenmue, then they wouldn't even bring it up nearly as often as they do. Games like Ghost of Tsushima don't really have time for a romance plot, aside from maybe one or two subtle hints, and just focus on the main samurai plot without constantly bringing up Jin's lack of a partner. Yet it feels as if everywhere in Shenmue, Ryo's ventures in the game, there's a woman or a man who ends up falling for him and and the game shows Ryo reacting awkwardly each time.
0: Who's the man? <laughs> Who does... I'm trying to think. Yeah. It's but... not Yuan, is it? Is no. that... <laughs> oh, a dear. Oh, dear.
1: <laughs> um, even in Shenmue 3, the Bailu locals keep asking when Ryo Shenha's wedding will be, or Niausun prize about whether Shenha is Ryo's girlfriend. He becomes embarrassed mm. rinse and repeat. Then yeah. you have Yuzuki describing Shen th- Shenmue 3's early draft as incorporating the theme of romance, which he presumes got cut and the project berkeley cd contains a music poem that outlines Shenry's story which drops little hints of these towards the end mm, and it is a valid I forgot point about that.
0: i was going to check that cd and just see if there was some i think he means that the the music that plays to the the trailer the project berkeley trailer
2: mm.
1: so it is a, it's an interesting point around romance and rio's ability to talk to women because he he i mean he is just focused on vengeance yeah. So that's going to cloud his judgment. And I do wonder if Shenhua will soften his character and that's where this theme could well be explored. Mm. The way it's going,
0: it seems like the romance is going to be between Rio and Shenhua, doesn't it, a little bit?
1: It does it? They both sort bit. of
0: share the same sort of connection. And uh, obviously we've got that cut scene at the end of Shenhua 2 where, if well, if you go the right path, Shenhua almost kisses him, doesn't she? Like, um, yeah. Just because of the thoughtfulness of him picking flowers for his father like a medicine for Shempo's mm. father kind of thing. So I, th- I think they could touch upon a bit of a, a, a romance element going on there.
1: Yeah, they could. They certainly could.
0: Okay, next up we've got Daniel Mann 861 who says that the white leaf has one lingering question I've always wondered about. But I thought that would have come up in Bailu, but I was wrong on that one. But yet it's still in the inventory, so it clearly means something, and it's something we haven't gotten to yet. I think that January Four is going to, is, is totally going to delve more into the structure of the Qiyu Men. I think like it's time with the introduction of Sun at the end of 3 and setting up the Civil War. If if 3 was all about getting to know Shenhua and learning the history of the Mirrors, then I think Shenmue 4 will most likely be concerned with the Chiyu men, considering we're hot on their tails at the end of Shemu 3 and the Civil War has been established. So I could see Ziming finally appearing in Shemu 4. So the real question is, will Shuing show up too? I also kind of want further answers as to what exactly Shenmue did to the thugs in that <laughs> interrogation scene. Obviously there's something up with Shenfoha and there's still uh, more to be told about her and the prophecy. So now that we know her, it's time to delve into the prophecy. I have to wonder, will that one moment of Shenfoa collecting explosive enemy from the Project Berkeley teaser finally play out in Shenmue 4? Yeah. So there's yeah. that there's that scene where she's like looks dead, angry, she's crying, and then suddenly she's like the wha- explodes. Yeah. So I'm not sure what's going on there. And he does also mention Master Bayou. Will that ever be followed up on, or is it always destined to be a one-off? I kind of wanted mm. to know more about the guy ever since we fought him. As to the revelation of what happened between Awau and Suming, it would make sense for it to be finally revealed in Sheming 4, but it will be a mislead or half troop instead of the full objective truth. I could see someone in the Chiyu Men explaining a version of what happened, but it's actually a lie designed to manipulate Ryo. It's interesting.
2: Mm.
0: Maybe Sung could toy with Ryo's head a little and try manipulating him for her own game. By giving him the answer he wants to hear as opposed to the truth. Yeah, it's getting a bit deep here. Wouldn't that make sense regarding the civil war at hand within the Qi men? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. I could see Niaosun Sun manipulating Ryo with a fabricated story and then the real truth truth being exposed in Seishemu 5. So there's a lot of like deep theory there. I mean, we know Miao Sun's a master manipulator and uh, she's supposed to use like sedu- seduction tactics in she? Uh, to yeah, kind of go uh, So, part of me thinks we won't get much in the real truth as to what really happened between Ziming and Diwao until we get to Mengkun, if we ever get there. But I could see Niao Sun trying to exploit Rio for her own benefit. I've never been a big fan of the whole Rio and Landy uneasy alliance theory that people like Huber have mentioned, but I could see Niaosun Sun trying to manipulate Rio for her benefit <laughs> uh, to mess with Landy some more. So, yeah, there's that kind of thing where they're saying, like, eventually, perhaps Rio and Landy could join forces and, Mm. uh, you know, not not really sure how that would work. But maybe, like, if if Landy does set off this big Chiyu monster, maybe, you know, he he has to... pair up with Rio to try and fix it, I don't know. So actually that could make an interesting twist. What if Shenmue 4's main master is actually Niao Sun, as in total opposite of Shuing's mento- mentorship, whereas Shuing was all about clearing the mind and living a life of peace, Nia-sun is pure chaos and greed person personified. What if Rio ends up under her instruction at some point? Maybe that brings Shuing back into the picture. Interesting thought. To see Rio lose himself temporarily, perhaps. We've seen Ryo learn mostly defensive moves, with the odd exception here and there, but what if it's time that Ryo starts learning some serious offensive moves? Frustrated by the fact that he still couldn't get the better of Landy, what if he crosses that path to becoming mentored by a member of the Chiu Men? It's kind of like that Star Wars dark side thing, and he's, is he going to fall yeah, into the is, dark side? Nice. We've never seen that before, so from a Shemu master, uh, it's mostly been about defense with all of them. So what if Rio gets tempted by the dark path in Shenmue 4? What about Zimming is aligned with Neoson? Sorry, this is a really long post. And Zimming <laughs> becomes your master in Shenmue 4. There obviously needs to be a master role in Shenmue 4, as all the games have had that. What if Zimming or Niaosun are your future masters before, and they recruit Ryo to fight Landy for their own benefits? I just like the idea of my enemy's enemy is my friend, and I feel like it's a plausible route they could go. And it would be a fascinating way to introduce Simming, to see someone who has lost his way and perhaps eventually in redemption through Rio in some measure, but not without first leading Rio down a dark path. The real question is, what role will Ziming play in all of this? Who does Ziming have allegiance to in the Civil War? And how will the relationship between Rio and Shuing play out with Ziming? I'm really interested to see Ziming show up in 4. He's a wild card at the moment, and his story is one I'm anxious to dig into more, considering the cycle of revenge that permits yeah. this entire story permeates this entire story. But I really do believe the next game is going to be all about the Chiya Men. It's time to start delving into that organization a little more. And that's mostly what I want to see from Shenmue 4. I want to know more about the inner workings of this group and why they are so dangerous. Shenmue 3 really was the getting to know Shenmue 4 chapter to me. Yes, there are things about Shenmue 4 still left to be discovered. But for the most part, Shenmue 3 was about building a bond with Shenmue 4. Shenmue 4, I think, will be all about the Chiyu Men in a big, bad way. I really want to know more about the inner workings of the Chiyu Men. I think well, 4 will start delving into that now we're hot on their trails.
1: Very well thought out post, to be fair. Long (laughs) one. Long one, but very well thought out. Very typical of um, his posting style, actually.
0: Really good points he makes as well.
1: No, really good stuff. And and, you know we appreciate all the points that come through. Um, Orient uh, mentioned uh, when Guizang will catch up with Rio. Mm, Um, That's
0: true. We didn't mention that, did we?
1: (laughs) So it was, I mean, it's sort of intimated in the telephone conversations that he won't be joining Rio anytime soon. Doesn't even mention his leg.
0: No, he doesn't seem like he's in a rush to catch up. He's just, I suppose he's just curious as to what he's got up to <laughs> on his journey so far. He's not saying like, I'll, I'll, I'll be there soon.
1: What Orient is saying is that he, he would like his return cause it'd be a huge reveal and it would work best if it happened when we least expected it. Yeah,
0: I agree with that, actually. I mean, all the way since Shenmue 1, even I can remember when I was playing Shenmue 2 for the first time, I was just waiting for Guizang to show up. You know, he said, when my leg heals, I'll catch up. And that didn't seem at the time like it would take that long. Um, so as I was playing through Shenmue 2, I always expect Guizang to show up, and I was a little bit disappointed when he didn't. Mm-hmm. Then obviously we played through Shenmue 3, and he still hasn't showed up. So, you know, is, is that it for Guizang, or could we possibly see him again?
1: Possibly. We shall see.
0: Mm. So next up is Hiki, who's left another big one. <laughs> Uh, perhaps not as big as uh, Daniel Mann's but so this is an awesome thread thanks so I really think Shenmue 4 will focus on the men, and in my opinion it's time to start answering questions about this organization we will see all of the leaders we will learn more about them we will see Ziming and know more about the character I think Shuing will return and we'll see a conclusion to this part of the story a conclusion about this is really important in my opinion I think it's time to learn deep things about the Chiyu Men and Shenmu 4. For me, Shenmu 3 is a calm and peaceful time in Ryo's journey, a time to get to know Bailu Village and Shenmue more, a time to live with Shenmue and build a strong bond with her. Shenmu 3, for me, is a similar to Shenmu 1 in a lot of things, and I like that, and I think Shenmu 4 will have a similar thing like similar feel to Shenmue 2, I think she means. Yeah. So I think Shemu 4 will have a lot more story progression, revelations, new masters, and new training, actions, and more. I can imagine Ryo, Ren, and are entering in different parts of the Chiyu men to know more about everything. I think big fights will happen, and I really have hope that this will happen. I really want to see Shemfua's past and powers. In Shenmue 2, we can see her parents in a different place. Where is that place? What happened to her parents? How many powers does Shenhua have? How are these powers? I really think it would be interesting to start answering these questions. Shenfa is one of my favourite characters. She's really important at, uh, to the story. She's really mysterious, and it's time to learn even more about her. So what is the truth behind Awao and Su Ming Zhao? This really needs to be shown, in my opinion. It would be nice to see uh, Ryo going to Meng Kun, where everything happened. Maybe he will learn the truth there. About the photos, Shansom wrote this in one of the threads. I really agree.
1: Uh, photos? I think he's talking about the chapter tiles
0: oh the chapter tiles okay i think Shamu 4 will be the chiyu men story arc Shamu 4 has the potential to be a wonderful intense and emotional game and i think shemu 5 will happen a lot of things and rio will finish the chiyu men he will save the world he will forget about revenge he will finally understand his father's words and Shuing's words and i think Shamu will have a beautiful and emotional ending if this happens it would be really nice in my opinion and everything I wrote and what other people wrote is what I think has to be answered. I really hope that we will see these things. If I remember other thing, I will edit my post. So, yeah, I mean, a very passionate post there from Hiki.
1: Yeah, and it's broadly pretty much everything we sort of talked about, isn't it? Yeah. Really, really speaking. Um, next one is Sliver of Sand, who was involved in our April Fool's joke. Um, yeah. Says, such a cool thread. It's a hard question to answer since I'd like to see all the points mentioned by others here in 4, but I also don't have any real, real sort of clear expectations for it. I think the main thing I want to see in the next game is some character development, especially from Ryo. So far, he's only had revenge at the forefront of everything he does. In Shenmue 3, they did show that he cares about Shenhua, but it's not enough to show that um, he cares more about his friends than getting revenge on Landy. Good point. Um, in Shenmue 3, one of my favourite aspects of this was about the relationship between Ryo and Shenhua, but it lacked that dynamic with all the other characters. It was strange when Ren, since they had such a fun dynamic in Shenmue um, 2, that they didn't have that here. Although there were some good moments in 3 between them, it felt a little flat. Okay, yeah, I can sort of understand that a little bit because they had quite a fun brother dynamic, Mm -hmm. wanting to kill each other, or certainly Ryo wanting to kill Ren, but Ren just winds him up sort of dynamic. And it is there. Yeah. It is there. I mean, it is the end of Shenmue 3 where Ren kicks that guy in the face and he <laughs> asks how they're still friends. It is there. Um, I'd like to see Ryo move on from only seeking revenge to actually applying what A Wow said to him by keeping friends close, and I'm sure it will happen. But I'd just mm-hmm. like to see this development happen in a dynamic way. Not like how it happened in Shenmue 3, where the side characters suddenly become more important for the finale than they have been throughout the rest of the game. I can't even mm. remember some of their names. I think that sort of feeds Absolutely. on to what we've said before around they just needed a bit of context as to what they were doing. Yeah,
0: it's a little bit of a problem, mm. but it's it was just a budget budget obviously budgetary time restraints on that. Yeah, I think I think they would have fleshed those characters out more if they had the time and and whatnot.
1: Hey, it says, sort of carrying on. We're nearly there. It's same goes for Landy. So far, we've barely found out anything about him. Besides. The information that he's related to the team, men I feel that there's a lot of a potential character arc for Landy, or also where we find out the information about why he's after the mirrors and the treasure. Also, it would be great if the next game goes into more of the inner workings of the team, men since the split between house and Landy was sort of brushed over, in my opinion. Um, mm. In short, I'd love more development for the characters to explore some story elements that have not been explained so far. I mean, that point around the sort of the Civil War... Um, Without the context of a Shenmue 4, it's hard to say where they've brushed over. If they go into that in real detail in Shenmue 4, then I think we get our answer. But if that's left on its own, then you won't get it.
0: Because they kind of set it up, didn't they, at the end yeah. of three? You know, Niao Sun's betrayed Landy in a way. So they've, they've set up for what could follow, really, in that regard.
1: Yeah, there we go.
0: Okay, so last couple of posts we had. We've got one from JC Jimmer or Jim her. Uh, in addition to the great things you have all been saying, I'll say I would like to have an interesting and powerful reason for Shenhua continuing the adventures beyond the affection for Ryo. We all know from promo materials that she some kind of special powers and some kind of link with her ancestors. I would like to know all of that in full for it to be interesting. That subject is much more interesting to me than the power struggles of the Chiyu men. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I'd probably agree with that. I think... Some of the, the major plot point elements we we spoke about, like Shenfois powers, appearance, the trees, the treasure, the mirrors, those mystical things, those those kind of appeal to me a little bit more than like the chi Men organization and the, the civil war, the power struggle. Mm. But I think they can both tie into each other at the same yeah, time.
1: Very much so. Very much so. And I think that that's how I think the story Will, will push on. They have, I think they have to intertwine. If they don't intertwine, I think they're going to lose something. They almost have yeah. to coexist. And if they're not together, it, I just don't think it'll quite work.
0: Because they need some sort of a threat for, for yeah. you, know, you know, beyond Landy, um, especially if there's such a big organization and all these mm. leaders and whatever we're, we're led to believe.
1: Right. The next one we've got is from Mole, who says, aside from all of the above mentioned, there's two things, I think, is there two... Oh, three things, sorry, three that points, they want yeah. to, he wants to mention. The first is, what is Yu? Is it a literal monster? Is it really a mythicized version of a dead man? Is it a metaphor? Will Rio get to punch Yu in the face? <laughs> Where did he get this version of a dead man thing from? I don't know, actually. I, 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 it's interesting. <laughs> I, I yeah. have to
0: maybe so. Maybe if we look, look into more detail on Chinese mythology, maybe that's... <laughs> That's one of the things.
1: Um, number two, what are the goals of the Qiyu men in general? Considering the mythical Qiyu was an enemy to the uh, mythical emperor who founded China, which is mm-hmm. true because I did some research on that before we okay. did the podcast, we started recording this, I feel they're trying to regain the formal power using the fall of China's last emperor, which technically has occurred a lot in the past, um, but this is the one that actually means it as a power vacuum to gain total control. And then three, what will Rio actually learn to defeat Landy? I'm curious to see um, what kung fu stuff Rio will use in final battles, mainly mm. gameplay wise, because it's going to be a bit jarring if um, in the final fight against Landy, he just suddenly decides to let Rio hit him instead of blocking all his shots like in Shenmue Three, which is a valid point. Maybe some mm. actual grapples. Um, either way, I'm expecting some serious internal shit to go down the line. <laughs> Uh, meditation mini game, anyone? <laughs> yeah. Maybe
0: so yeah, I mean, Rio's yeah, constantly training. So I mean, they could start letting him hit Landy in a future game. You know, just you'd buy into the fact that he's trained so far, and you know he's managed to lay a punch on him now. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they visually show that. Yes, <laughs> anyway. it will. It will. Mm. And the final comment is by Down by Law, who says, the big one for me is, why did Iwao murder Suming Ming Zhao? One of the big mysteries from the very first cutscene. I doubt it was cold-blooded murder. Was it a fight that went too far? Were they joshing around and he shoulder-bumped him, but he fell off a cliff? That's a bit specific. Uh, did he spend too much money on duck racing and was taken out by a professional hit and Iwao was framed? We must know. <laughs> yeah, oh, so... Dear he's, he's uh, obviously made a couple of j- little jokes there, yeah. but we do. That is, that is obviously the, the major main plot point uh, besides everything else we touched on. Just, you know, if a wow has murdered swimming's then then why, and if he hasn't, why does Landy think that he's murdered? So there's, there's a, a lot of interesting stuff, obviously that we do need answering and hopefully we've touched all upon that. So, uh, that's everything I've got on my list, unless you've got anything more to add, Matt.
1: No, that's that's everything on my list. I just want to say thank you to the guys on the forums who've, who've contributed to, to to the topic, which is sort of helped lead our discussion in this mm. podcast. Yeah, definitely. We have got
0: some interesting points there, and uh, we looked into a lot of what you guys said, and you know, uh, curated that list that we we did for the major discussion and uh, some research that went into that hopefully we've done justice to Shemu's story perhaps some of the things that could happen and what we want to see happen uh, hopefully one day we'll get an answer to all of them to satisfy the people that have been dying to know what happens next on Rio's journey so if there are any other things that we may have missed other burning questions you would like an answer to uh, let us know maybe we can create a second episode with you know second list perhaps uh, the ones that we covered today, I'd say, is you know some of the more major plot points that need resolutions. But if you have anything, even minor plot points that we didn't mention, you know, drop us a message, a comment, reply to the topic on the forums that you know we just uh, read people's replies from. You can even email us, <laughs> you know, wherever you want, and we'll we'll try and make a note for the future. So I want to thank you all again for joining us today and continue to support not only the show and Matt's interviews, but the dojo as a whole, all of its outlets. And of course the bread and butter, the forums. So Matt, I'm gonna end with a track which I used at the end of the Eric Calso and Paul Lucas Voice Mod videos series on YouTube. I believe it's an unused piece of music from Shemu3 It Sounds really, really cool. It's it's kind of like another take on that recurrent Shemu theme that we all love. And again, I just want to thank everyone again for listening. So until next time, everyone, take care.
1: Cheers everyone. Have a good good time. Goodbye. <laughs>